What's up today? I talked to Jake Shane. He was a local comedian. He's from the North Woods, was in the Fox Valley, Northeast Wisconsin comedy scene for a while. He is doing his thing. He's a hardworking dude in Minneapolis, and he has been um, since shortly after this podcast. Uh, and this one was recorded in the summer to fall of 2019. It is currently summer to fall of 2021, so about exactly two years ago. And um, this was super fun, one of the longest podcasts I ever did. All the comedian ones end up being longer, which which I don't know. I like it that way. Um, generally just multi-interested people, which I identify with. Um, many interests, many curiosities. So um, I hope you enjoy my conversation with Jake Shane. Five, four, three. What's up, friends? What's up, friends? We're back. But why not? But why not? I'm here with Jake Shane. Hello. Local, this camera, that camera. How are local, you guys doing? Local comedian. And uh, yeah, I'm excited for this one. We got some fun stories. And there's some cool things happening, I think, in the comedy scene from what I've seen. So From the time I started, it's... I don't want to say booming to be cliche, but it's not bad. Yeah. It's, it's pretty good right now. For sure. Coming around. Absolutely. Um, let, me just, let me just check some things here. Jake, why don't you start us off with the question of the day for people watching? Question of the day for people watching. Um, I'm not sure what cities you live in, but if you could comment what city you live in and where you'd like to see comedy. If you guys have not uh, had a lot of comedy in your area, let us know where you'd like to see it. It doesn't even have to be the same hometown as yours. Just wherever you want to see it, and uh, we'll show up. <laughs> we literally have people living in our cars right now, so there's zero excuses as to why we can't get to where we want to go. Nice. And by the way, we're brought to you today by Dog Days IPA Pale <laughs> Ale, uh, Bare Bones Brewery. Big shout out to them for putting on a great show that haven't showed up to. I was there. I was there. Mm, now that's a beer. <laughs> <laughs> One sec. We should be able to hear ourselves. Can... Check, check. Check, check. I would laugh so hard if we had been talking into no, no, a no. dark abyss this I heard whole time. Us. <laughs> I heard us, I swear. Hello, hello. I feel Whatever. like I'm watching Batman without his Robin right now. We'll just, we'll just ditch these. All right. All right, Jake. So I had a couple questions. Yes. I felt compelled to ask you. Um, first, first question. Oh, okay. Yeah, no. Uh I know you're you're a married man uh, and I'm engaged. <laughs> I'm also very flexible. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Um have you ever watched Veggie Tales? Of course I've watched Veggie Tales. Veggie Tales. Yeah. What is better comedy? Silly songs with Larry or the pirates who don't do anything? I think the absurdity of the pirates who don't do anything trumps the uh whatever else you just said and i only say that because i've only seen the pirate one okay so that would explain that you don't know. i have not seen it forever i'm not gonna lie i haven't seen veggie tales since i've been a kid you don't know like barbara manatee no that's okay that's okay all right so Rule number one of comedy man relatability yeah i was just compelled yeah. it literally popped in my head as i was like as i was making some calls about an hour ago and i was like this is this feels like an important question. So in the um, in the prologue to this, when yep. I scheduled the post, 
um, to go live. Um, I had put, uh, has performed with Charlie Barron's, and then I asked <laughs> you about it. <laughs> yeah. And, um, yeah, explain, explain to the people, explain to the oh, people man. what happened. That's such a loaded situation. So, yeah, I was supposed to perform with Charlie Barron's. Um, it was June, like the end of June. And uh, only, I mean, less than a month ago. And mm-hmm. the booker who booked me on the show, I don't know how to say this um, without, you know, turning myself <laughs> in too much. But basically, he was supposed to list specifically where this money to charity was going and to which charity. Mm-hmm. All proceeds go to insert charity. Mm-hmm. And uh, he put on the poster, some of the proceeds will be going to a local charity. Extremely vague. Uh, he did not live up to his end of the contract. So I, I'm sorry for anybody who's watching specifically because he wanted to see somebody who's worked with Charlie Barron's. <laughs> I've worked with his brother, if that counts for anything. But no, unfortunately, I did not get to work with Charlie. Hopefully one day he will uh, sell out and have a hack open for him. That'd be pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think you're a hack. I was at the Barebone show. <laughs> well, you're working, and I think... Uh, I think it's important to get experience. You said you've been doing this for about two years. A little over two years, yeah. Yeah, and it's, it seems like you're having fun with it. You have certain material that you know works, and that's that's a good thing. And sure. you're trying new things, you're learning, and that's important. Um, I was at the Barebone show. You were the closer. It was a great show. It was a great show. It did not start out as a great show. Yeah. We had no power. Yeah. I mean... Just yeah. just what happened the other day, but on a smaller scale, it was like the big storm before the big storm. Barebones uh, got the power knocked out. Sold out show. Sold out show. I Great show. I think it show. was like 50, 60, 70 people there, something yeah. like that. And uh, It was dark for the opener, too, so yeah. big shout out to Greg Freeze yeah. going up with no microphone and no electricity. Yeah, he did good. And the power came on uh, right you know, midway through his act, and people, yep. it was fun. People, the you know, there's something about just being in the dark, like, or being forced to deal with less than you're used to. You know what I mean? Yeah. Something, something about just like um, making it work, and you could feel the energy, just people talking, like, when's it gonna get started? Mm-hmm. But also, there's like, it's, I mean, it's not that there was any misery involved, but I like, I have a thought that the thing that connects people more than anything is like shared misery. And like, that's not even meant to be funny. Oh boy, you should get into comedy. There's a lot of shared (laughs) misery. (laughs) I I bet. But like servers are like the closest, like the closest people, I mean, maybe comedians more even than servers, but it's like what brings people together so much so in like those type of roles. And I think it's shared misery. And (laughs) again, not to be funny, but, um, but I think that's like a micro version of that when people, like when the lights are out and everyone's like, we're sticking it out together, you know? I really enjoyed, <laughs> first of all, that they did stick it out because mm-hmm. it was out for like 45 minutes and mm-hmm. each show should have its own feel. So when something happens like that, that is an experience you're not going to get every single time. So it's cool to see how the comics react, the crowds react. If for we sure. pull this off, we know how to do this next time, which right. it ended up being okay thanks to Greg. He's a teacher too. So yeah. he totally is comfortable with rambunctious, unexpected behavior. Right. And I thought he was the perfect guy to open up that show. Yeah. Um, as far as shared misery, <laughs> there is no greater bond than a bunch of jaded comics who have just been just beaten. Through the ring. Just bombed. <laughs> and like when an entire showcase bombs, you'll never see harder laughs at the bar after. Yeah. It's like, this was awful. I bet. Yeah. Nobody had fun. 
and but we enjoy it we right. enjoy that very much have you like how many times has that happened or oh, it's so rare for everybody to bomb no yeah. it, it's so 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 rare usually the opener might have a tough time and to getting the room started from cold to laughter is pretty tough and it takes a certain skill yeah so sometimes you watch the first guy eat it it's been a while since i've seen the last guy eat it mm-hmm. 45 minutes of silence is that is loud in where, its own way where did that happen for you last it was at a bowling alley oh, okay so yeah it's at a bowling alley so the guy goes <laughs> up and first joke out of his mouth he gets to the punchline. strike you just hear this guy yell strike everybody turns away everybody goes crazy Dang. um also i did a show so with, it just took the momentum out just awful every time he would set up a joke somebody would yell something where somebody would get a strike we're in the bowling alley oh okay those are the places you really learn yeah. your chops from yeah. <laughs> how to keep people's attention while they're i mean just pissed drunk bowling yeah what like what's the first show you've ever done like what was like what did that look like so the first show i ever did was at green room lounge i believe in 2017 it was right when i was in college and it was a great show i just did five minutes and uh, my dad came and he fell asleep during my set. So that was kind of that was a precursor <laughs> to what my career was going to be. I put my dad to sleep. My first show ever. Did he work a lot that day? He, he works weird hours. So he gets up at 2 a.m. to go to work. And it was already 9 p.m. by the time I got up. So he's exhausted. But it was cool. Like, I'm in the middle of a blackout. I'm so nervous. I looked at my dad for support. And he's just passed out in the chair. I'm like, that should have told me everything I need to know about support and comedy, especially from family. That's great. He didn't see me for two years after that, actually. Oh, perform. I was awful. Don't, he didn't see you perform for two years. Don't ever bring your family to your, <laughs> first, your first stand-up show. set. Don't tell anybody you're doing it. Yeah. I know it's cool, and it's a cool thing you've done. Right. So advice to you, dude, if you really want to yeah. try it, don't tell anybody. Yeah, I'm going to try it. I don't, I'm not going to tell anybody. Yeah, I swear, you're going to want to. Even your yeah. eighth show, you're like, I think I got, don't. Just don't do it. Yeah. Don't. See, the, here's the thing, though. And like this, we were talking before we went on just about like, um, how you want to, you want to perform stuff you're comfortable with. Like that's going to be your instinct, especially early because you don't want to bomb, right? Like nothing in you wants to just like eat shit in front of people. You know, you don't want to, I've been like, I've been there with a business pitch, not comedy, but, um, I pitched the business that we're airing on right now sure uh but like a, it was a larger version it was like gonna be this app it's like shark tank and you, you, it nobody was. bought it it was in front oh, of no it was in front of craig culver it was in okay. front of the guy oh. who started eat street sure um the vp of marketing at bergstrom and some guy who like owns a capital firm you know gives people money for their ideas or whatever Did they say i'm sorry evan i'm out <laughs> no they felt bad for me no, oh, no no i went uh i went two slides in and basically i hadn't prepared for the pitch at all and well, this is helps. like yeah for sure <laughs> you gotta know me you gotta know me uh, your material dude. yeah it's yeah most important part um but yeah i was two slides in i started with a joke had the whole room laughing okay and uh and then basically just stopped talking <laughs> what was the joke? Do you remember it? Yeah, it was a it was a slide of Google search because okay. my like the pitch was an app that shows you things to do yep. everywhere, and um, it was a Google search of things to do in Oshkosh, and like the top result, one of the top four results, was like the home of a of a nineteen forties uh, congressperson 
from Wisconsin. Okay. And it's like, you can tour his house. And I was like, show of hands, like who here, when they're looking for something fun to do, wants to tour the inside of a 1940s congressperson's house from Wisconsin. And like, Every, like it, that wasn't exactly it, but everyone laughed. Like they got it, you know. Crushing in a room full of Illuminati. Look at you, dude. Yeah. Perfect for corporate gigs. <laughs> for sure. For sure. They pay you in the Rolexes they're currently wearing just to leave. Yeah, that's that's me. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but yeah. Anyway, I ate shit, and um, they were just like, just talk about your idea. <laughs> like the mm. Eat Street guy was like, tell us about your idea, and I was like, you're right, and I just. Basically, I fixed it in the end. But um, anyway, point is, if I had friends come to my first open mic show, um, I would just like make fun of them. I think, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's typically um, that's typically what a lot of guys do, especially with a lot of open micers who do have very supportive friends. It's right. usually guys a lot like us who are younger. They've got supportive friends, right. very into comedy. And yeah. your first thought is, I'm just going to make fun of them. Now, it's going to go one of two ways. You're going to get up there, and you're nervously going to pander to the crowd. Right. That you're like, this, I wasn't ready for this. I thought it was. Right. These lights are hot. I can't see what's going on. I can't see my friends anyways. Where are they? Right. Or you do pick on your friends, and it's such an inside joke that nobody laughs either. Right. So, yeah, that's true. And I guess that's why I'm not going to bring anybody, Don't first, do first and foremost. But um, well, I'll probably bring my fiancé. I ate shit in front of her. I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't. You've eaten shit in front of your fiance and you're still getting married? That's impressive. Yeah, it's it's legit. Or is that how you propose? It's a legit you hit it relationship. In a pile of shit and she's like, whoa. <laughs> There's the ring. No, it was hers. It was very. Uh, there you go, man. I don't want to dive too deep into it. You know. Sounds but, like you already did. Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah. No. Um. But I think you have to like just like any stand-up show, you have to like give context, right? Of of your life. Yep. Um. I already have like a, how would I open up to like my relationship to these people before I 80% of a joke them. is the setup, believe it or not. I mm. learned that after about a year of like, I think the most important part of a joke is the setup and the punchline mm. will just flow. It's like surfing. Mm. Just get on the wave, set yourself up on yeah. that wave. And as long as you ride it, you'll get there. Definitely. But if you screw up a setup, it doesn't matter how good look good the punchline is. How good is. looking you are. You're good looking at, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I do comedy, I couldn't pull off modeling. <laughs> But you tried first, though, right? I did for Fleet Farm Magazine, and I couldn't fit in the shirts anymore. <laughs> did you actually? No. <laughs> uh, it's funny that you brought them up as an example, because my cousin modeled for Fleet Farm Magazine. Are you serious right now? For, like, one magazine, I'm pretty sure. I really didn't know that was a thing, first of all. Yeah, and that's that hilarious. You know somebody? Yeah. <laughs> wow. So, well, I'm pretty sure, this is what my grandma told me, so take it with a grain of salt. Grandma, if you're watching, I hope this is true. Was he wearing overalls with no undershirt on a tractor with like a straw hanging out of his mouth? That's what I envision. He could pull it off. I think his his uh, girlfriend, now wife, was like applying or like trying to model for Fleet Farm. And then they were like, we want him too. Or like, we want him instead or something like they that. They did the old Texas switcheroo on her? Yeah, I don't know. You're if, great, but him? Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Let's throw him yeah. in some waiters and put him in the river. Yeah, Hortonville boy. Jack. Not, oh, sure. Fire, fireman. Yeah. But Milking one udder with like his finger in his mouth. Like, uh, right. I actually, I don't think it was overalls now that I think about it. But that happened. You don't have to crush my dreams. I'm going to imagine want to. <laughs> For sure. Um, so how did you get started, man? Like what made you want to... Um, yeah, let's go there first. 
I do want to cover just for this audience, like where the scene is at, because I think there yeah. is like it's it's very young, which is like you know obviously there's like some sort of vulnerability there because there's a lot of people who are having fun with it and taking it seriously that are two years or less into it, you know, mm -hmm. but, um, it feels good. There's also a lot of guys who've been around here cracking at it for six to eight years who are, mm -hmm. in my opinion, amazing comics, mm -hmm. sent them to Milwaukee, Madison, mm -hmm. Chicago, wherever. Um, they're great. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people don't know about them. That kind of surprises me. Which names come like Steve Hartman kind of like or? great man. He's a corporate comic mm -hmm. does a lot of corporate shows, but I've mm -hmm. worked with him a handful of times mm -hmm. and I think he's only been doing it five or six years and I apologize, Steve, if I'm wrong, but uh, no, he's so good. Mm -hmm. So good. His delivery's smooth. He's got a great cadence. People don't, uh, don't take this the wrong way, Steve. I don't think people know about and not enough people. I'm going to say it that way. Know about Steve, mm -hmm. but as far as being a local comic around, he's, he's awesome. I'm pretty sure. He was one of the first people I ever saw, like, uh, headline at Skyline, like, second or third time I was ever there. For sure. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. He probably was doing that. Yeah. And, uh, well, what was he doing? He had a joke about, like... Um, I don't, don't say his jokes. Yeah. No. Well, it was to just, be continued. It was just about all the different city names in Wisconsin and, like, how they all sound like STDs. Is that him? Is that Steve? I believe that's Rob Brackenridge, who, uh, by really? the way, is headlining Skyline Comedy this weekend. Go on out. Rob Brackenridge is going to be headlining Skyline. He's been doing it 30 years. He lived in L.A. for 20. Wow. And a pro's pro, man. Yeah. He, he really reshaped my thought on what a new is he, joke is. What does that mean? What do you mean by that? So I used to write just new jokes and then just tell them. I wouldn't reshape the setups. I wouldn't fit it into a certain part of my act. Mm -hmm. Made sure it flowed. I would just put it in it's like puzzle pieces that didn't fix and i would just make them fit and i watched him <laughs> yeah. rework a joke eight times and fit it into where there was not a break in his setup mm -hmm. his flow was still the same mm -hmm. and he worked it from about a four or five sentence joke into a fragment essentially where it was the setup of a joke. previous one yeah he essentially he worked into a tag and and that reshaped my whole thought process of when i think a joke is done or where it fits or how yeah. you do it that's cool. He's he's great. Nice. Who did, w was it? A local guy that got you into it, or was it like listening to comedians out there? Like what what got you into it? I was a big Comedy Central nerd when I was a kid, and I think I grew up during the greatest era of Comedy Central of all time. You had Drawn Together. Do you remember that show? Mm -hmm. uh, David tells Insomniac. Mm -hmm. um, Chappelle show. Yeah. I mean, we grew up during the greatest. Tough Crowd was on there as well. Um, that was the greatest era of Comedy Central they'll ever have as far mm -hmm. as network TV. So mm -hmm. I would always watch Chappelle's show. Mm -hmm. I was a huge fan of The Amazing Jonathan when I was a kid. He's What's the that? He's the magician who purposely screws up his tricks. Okay. But then adds some laughs into it and some jokes. Like his whole thing is that he sucks at magic. Okay. But he's also really good at it. Yeah. He does it really great of I'm really good at magic, but I'm also going to screw some of these up in a very gruesome way. Like he kills pigeons on stage. <laughs> Not for real though, but he oh, makes okay. it, he's very shock value yeah. to put a knife through his arm. He's, okay. he's, it's crazy. Dang. Drugs. And, uh, <laughs> so that's what got, you think that just was, watching those guys, you think that was the seeds? Huge. When I was a kid watching Chappelle and everybody else I was watching and I, I, I longed for that. Mm -hmm. I loved making my friends laugh. That's how I made friends. Especially when I moved as mm -hmm. a kid, 
that's how I made friends at my next my next school. Mm -hmm. Moving high school is tough. Mm -hmm. How many did you just one time or multiple? Or? It was just the one time, so it wasn't mm -hmm. too crazy. But mm -hmm. moving to a different Still. school, I'm like, I don't know how this is gonna go. Yeah, I'm in sports; they don't know me, so I just started cracking jokes, and eventually mm -hmm. I had friends, which was nice. But mm -hmm. it's been my survival tactic. When, uh, where'd you start at school, and where'd you move to? So I went to UW Marinette first. From oh, I'm, you mean high school? Yeah, O'Connell Falls. Oh, okay, so I moved from Pesh to go. Okay, gotcha. So what brought you back here? Uh, work okay work so i went to uw marinette for two years mm -hmm. met my then girlfriend now wife there and then mm -hmm. i put her in my trunk and we went to whitewater <laughs> and uh i let her out after two years nice. and she's like this isn't so bad still alive yeah nice. well, i put air holes in it. i'm not a That's, psycho yeah and uh, yeah we got married and moved to appleton mm -hmm. that's where i found work and luckily i only live half a mile from the club Cool. So that's been really cool to be exactly where I want to be, not only for work, but for comedy. Zero excuses. Did you start comedy? So you said just over two and a half or just over two years ago. Yep. Sorry, not putting words in your mouth. Um, did you start before you moved here or once you moved here? I started at the green room for my first time. That's where my dad fell asleep. And I was like, okay. I think I'm pretty good at this. Yeah. <laughs> so then I went to Whitewater and did their open mics. College open mics, they'll let you go 15 minutes. Yeah. Because they really mean if you play an instrument, you can do 15 minutes. Right. But I was up there just riffing for 15 minutes of what nice. I thought was hilarious material. Nice. And I still have those videos and nice. they're terrifying. You watch them? Yeah. I made it 30 seconds in before I first paused it. <laughs> screamed in the mirror it's so <laughs> brutal to watch man just a glutton for punishment i think i was wearing these same shorts actually <laughs> also i rule it don't wear shorts on stage yeah don't do it it's just an unwritten rule okay i'm sure i have one guy in particular from milwaukee screaming at his computer right now but <laughs> i already feel like i feel i don't know because i go back i don't watch every episode of this show you know i will eventually i think mm -hmm. um maybe not but I feel like I probably shouldn't wear shorts, but I'm like, it's what I would be wearing. You got some nice gams on you, broad. I mean, I'm not going to lie. Thank you. <laughs> does that mean calves? Sure. What does that mean? I don't know. It's too old for me, too. That was, that was a 50-year-old reference I okay. tried ripping out of my pocket. Gotcha. Gotcha. But no, don't do it. It's just something that they tell you. There's no official rule for it. It's yeah. just an <laughs> unofficial rule. It makes sense. Yeah. You're, like, you're putting yourself out there in a weird way. No, nobody wants to stare at your legs, man. Yeah. Not you specifically. Nobody just wants to stare at it. It's the, le the least amount of distractions on stage as you can get, the better. So I don't wear shirts with logos on them. Yeah. I stopped wearing my watch up there because it would reflect off of the lights. Interesting. You want it as it's like boring you, as possible. You, yeah, you want it to literally like filter it down to be as much like what's inside that yes. you're offering. Yeah. And as little as X. Like that's, I'd say... Even music isn't like that. I mean, music, like, not live, obviously, is, like, very what's inside, very emotional. Mm -hmm. But, like, it's flashy as hell when it's live, usually. Hell, yeah. I mean, you could look at a guy like Eddie Murphy, his Raw special. He had the red suit and the cod yeah. piece. That's yeah. very distracting. But it was him, too. He True. was a rock star. True. Who's going to dress like one. There's exceptions to every rule. But my advice would be just be plain Jane up there. Yeah. And your material do the work especially when you're starting yeah when you're trying to figure out like what is your style yeah because like it's interesting because i've been to those open mics and like some people do try coming in with some like crazy wacky styles yeah and it's like 
maybe let that develop, you know? <laughs> Those are the ones that are very nervous that their material is not going to work, and usually it does not, which is why they're dressed so crazy. Right. They're dressed like Jimmy Buffett. They got the big Hawaiian shirt on. Right. It doesn't um, – that's just nerves. Yeah. That's anything It's r- It's running away from that discomfort that we were talking about exactly. earlier. Yeah. You got to lean into it and kiss it on the mouth. Yeah. That discomfort. <laughs> that's funny. Um, so how – like – Okay, so you you were riffing on stage. Um, was there ever some like little glimpses of like, ooh, that was something? I have two jokes that I ended up taking away from seventy five minutes I did at UW Whitewater. Nice. <laughs> so we're talking about one minute. Yeah, it was a terrible joke about how um, dating is like ice cream, and you couldn't twist my arm enough to tell that joke on this podcast. Oh yeah, just that's okay. awful. I won't say And uh, it was a joke about how my liver looks like Seal's face because I drink a lot. Okay. Did people get that in college? Seal? Nope. A Seal reference? Yeah. But I knew it was funny because yeah. I did it for adults. Like the adults in the back that ran it, they laughed. I'm like, okay, yeah. this works for them. Yeah. And that's actually my demographic now. I lean really <laughs> hard into the middle-aged, married, um, yeah. twisted people. I like yeah. them a lot. Yeah. A lot. Um, you're very open about your relationship on stage it seems i run all my jokes through her and people get really nervous about that too like i yeah. will mention her and they'll go ooh, like they'll look at her out of panic and she's like it's fine like this yeah. is the first time i'm hearing them too that idiot paces back and forth like rain man all day just repeating his jokes to memorize yeah. i hear them all yeah it's fine that's cool yeah that is cool was it was it like did it develop into that or was it always just like she knew that was what it was gonna be i talked about a relationship a little bit on stage i had no idea how to do it and eventually laughter is the thumbs up if you want approval if you want likability laughs are it it's like in sales money speaks comedy laughter speaks yeah so i really started to pay attention to on a broad scale out of all the cities i've been to what's worked the most right people really like it when i talk about my relationships i've i've leaned into that i talk about my dad a little bit yeah um really just sticking to the family stuff what what kind of stuff like what's your go-to right now in like in your second year of comedy like what's your go-to material like if i'm gonna sit down and crank out a joke today yeah like if you're gonna write sit down and like what like what does your mind gravitate to first oh it's definitely writing about my my marriage people mm-hmm. really love that stuff mm-hmm. i will sometimes go online and look at the topical stuff which has given me great relationship material i've got a, a pretty good area 51 joke <laughs> that i've applied to my situation mm-hmm. that seemed to work did you do it on sunday I did do it on Sunday. Okay, so basically, I'm getting my wife's citizenship, mm-hmm. and we're working on that. And my friend texted me like, "Dude, don't you want to storm Area 51 to have sex with an alien?" And I'm like, "Technically speaking, I already am." Yeah, and that's basically the the whole thing. Yeah, I saw, I saw your tweet or you posted on Facebook yeah. or something like that. Yeah, that that was in a Snapchat group with friends, and I'm like, I think I'm gonna take that. Actually, it's not. Yeah. That's not the worst thing I've ever yeah. said. <laughs> it's worked. dude. Do you watch that human superhuman or what? Oh, <laughs> yes. dude, I saw that on your page. Yeah. This is the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. So for the people uh, listening, go on Twitter and look up superhuman. There's two M's and two N's in his name. One, two, three, four, superhuman, one, two, three, four. And it's this <laughs> juggalo kid yeah. who I'm going to go out on a limb and say he was probably a very hard child to raise. <laughs> something man he wears the same outfit the same icp t-shirt yeah and he just puts himself through barbed wire um he jumped into a wheelbarrow full of legos yeah and uh i think he was messed up before he started the stunts (laughs) i'm sure something's up with that kid for sure dude 
so ICP Insane Clown Posse. I don't know too much about Tech Nine and what yeah. he's doing, but um, yeah, he goes, "What's up? This is for the Gigolos and Gigolettes." This is yeah. This is <laughs> this is for the Gigolos and Gigolettes. Yeah, I'm gonna jump through barbed wire, through uh, fluorescent light bulbs, through this table. Woo woo! Yeah, he rips his shirt off. He's got the the worst unworked out body, and that's coming from me. He's yeah. pasty. Should keep the shirt on. Rips it off like a like Bert Kreischer. It's it's badass. It's badass yeah. man. It's I really enjoy up. that kid. Literally, <clears throat> I was scrolling through your Facebook. I was like see what jake's about you know yeah and uh how quick did you exit out of <laughs> no i went i went pretty far because I, I had a question about um i think patrick some a comedian friend i have it written down. john patrick moore yeah 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 yep. um well i'll we'll talk about that in a second but okay. um yeah i just saw that and i literally couldn't stop watching like i think i watched every video that kid put out I'm i don't count kidding. but he's got 52 yeah <laughs> yes dude i clicked media yeah. on twitter and yeah there's 52 pictures and videos he's gotten mick foley to give him a shout out they got mick foley at comic-con okay. to be like superhuman he does his own yeah. stuff he's cool yeah and then icp actually just gave him a shout out like yeah. yesterday yeah i saw that kids yeah. blowing up yeah <laughs> oh man what a good for him and the brains he's got left huh? yeah still eating jello through a straw in a year but you know what for our entertainment what's whatever for sure well it's like that uh Shoe nice. Do you, you know that guy? Yeah, what happened? Is, he's still Is he done? I don't know. In life or in general? I hope <laughs> yeah, he's still I kicking. Know. I don't know. Yeah. He just eats whatever people ask him to eat. The soap one was hard to watch. The only one I remember was a, like a whole, I don't know if it was an entire, it was like duct tape with fucking cigarette butts like oh, on the duct man. tape. And he just kept like. <laughs> down dude there's so many crazy people out there the reason i love that guy is because not only is he that he's really that guy right but also he let his wife leave him do you know this no, the I backstory to shoe nice is that he started making these youtube videos somebody at work had seen it and uh co uh, contacted his wife and just said do you know what your husband's doing right now <laughs> he's eating cigarette butts yeah. on youtube yeah and putting it out there for everybody to see and she said, listen, this is not going to happen. Yeah. You're going to be done doing this. Otherwise, I'm taking the kids and I'm leaving. Yeah. And he looked at her. He's like, I'm shoe nice. God damn it. And <laughs> she took the kids and left. Oh, wow. So the rest of his career was just him, man. Like He really wow. leaned into, I'm going to be the best YouTube star of all time. And he's just eating soap. He's eating hair, whatever he's got to do. Wow. He's doing um, full bottles yeah. down the hatch. So that's the other one I know about. And I watched, and I had really weird feelings about that because he chugs an entire bottle of vodka, mm -hmm. and uh, basically he shuts off the camera, and then he comes back on, and he's like, "Hey guys, so right after I did that, I was hospitalized, yeah. and they pumped my stomach, and like I almost died." Yeah, no shit. And uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, what? Dude? This is not even a fifth. You drank a one point seven five. A one seven five. Yeah, and it was, but like you. So he was talking, though, after that about, like, the people. I don't know if it was, like, his neighbors or his fans or something that, yeah. like, care about him and, like, helped him through it. Because I think he came back on, quote, unquote, like, one second later in the video. But it was, like, days later on the, oh, on the actual, like, process of what happened after he chugged that bottle. And he's just talking about these people that, like, helped him out and cared for him. And I was like, huh, this guy eating the craziest shit on planet Earth is like a real person and like 
he's got relationships and he's a nice guy and people in the community love him and like i was yeah. like that's that's nice but to if, everybody else <laughs> he's just dave who lives down the street that eats the weird stuff yeah and they check on him i'm sure every day look yeah, through the window know, make man. sure he's still kicking if he is roll your eyes and come home uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but i don't know that was just like that's the weird thing about the internet is you just like log on and you're exposed to like some shit you just didn't even think existed and you're just like that exists one of my favorite <laughs> game is just do this later go on youtube yeah just go to the one of the first recommended ones and click on it yeah. turn on autoplay and just let it go yeah. Check on it in eight hours. You'd be amazed where you are. I bet. You'd be amazed the rabbit holes you go down. Yeah. You start on like uh, snake bites and all of a sudden you're into like why we need the gold reserve back or something. Yeah. Like, I don't know how we got here. <laughs> Dude. Okay. Do you have a an affinity to conspiracy theories? Because you just hinted that mm -hmm. your suggested eventually leads down conspiracy. I'm trying to figure out if I only get conspiracy because I watched a shit ton of them in college, mm -hmm. or if everybody eventually gets conspiracy theory videos because they're the most clickbaity videos. I do not believe certain individuals do. Do you? Do I? A lot of them. You have an affinity to conspiracy? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. <laughs> okay. I, I go deep, baby. <laughs> I go deep down that hole. Yeah, I get a bottle of Jim Beam and to see what happens in eight hours. Yeah. And I've even been amazed where that goes sometimes. Yeah. I know who killed Kennedy, dude, and you'd be surprised. Really? Yeah. You shake his hand. Her. Her. We don't live in a patriarchy anymore, dude. All right. See. Women can kill presidents too. I believe it. <laughs> <laughs> see, that's why that's why I think I was drawn to conspiracies. I'm too apt to just be like, I believe it. I'm almost weirded out by comics who aren't because I think the mind of a person who gets into stand-up in the first place is already off on some level. True. Delusions of grandeur. Yeah, you're up in front yeah. of people and you're narcissistic enough to think, one day people are going to pay me because I'm hilarious. <laughs> so to not That's have true. an open mind to be like, I'm pretty sure they're putting on furry costumes and having sex in hotels. I yeah. think they're really doing that. Yeah. Um, they meaning? Politicians. Oh, you think so? Yeah, man. Most of them or all of them? Just the cool ones. Just a couple. Yeah. Like Bill, dude. Bill's not doing that, Clinton. He's got to be doing something weird. If he's willing to share what he's doing with cigars, imagine the stuff he's not telling us. Was that part of the Monica Lewinsky cigar? Oh, yeah. You'd be surprised what scent those cigars were. and They weren't Cuban. He said that openly? Yeah. To you who? don't know about this? No. He inserted cigars into Monica. Really? And they would smoke them on golf trips. They meaning him and other people? Or him and her. Well, he admitted to it for sure. I'm sure she was doing, she was probably having some fun, but Bill was the one that we know about. Okay. See, this is why, this is why you lean into the... Well, this is just public knowledge. No, I know, yeah. but... Like, okay, what year were you born? 95. Okay, so I was born 94. Okay. You're so but, old, dude. <laughs> dude, I'm pretty fucking old. <laughs> 420 birthday by the way dang don't forget hitler's birthday don't forget true yep um very true i'm also german me too really uh oh see this is how it started uh -oh. two germans sitting in a room with beer just talking yep just oh, talking man no um i don't know okay i was just saying that's why you appeal to the older demographic because like i know a lot of pop culture general stuff but i haven't been deep into the the Lewinsky, but that's fascinating that that's where he went. And to say that if he went down there, why, like what's, what's stopping him now? 
Maybe old age, though. Maybe he's not into it anymore. Do you know about the Bohemian Grove? Yes. Oh, oh, okay. Of course. Okay, so I guess I should give you background of where I stopped with conspiracies was uh, um, Hollow Earth stuff. That's where I stopped. Gotcha. Yeah. I was just kind of like, maybe, but who cares? Like, if, it, if yeah. this is true, there's no point. Like, it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, people just need to stick to the fun of the conspiracy theory, which is the mind-bending, is it or isn't it? It's just the fun of it. Some of them it, I do genuinely believe in, but there mm -hmm. are others, like the lizard people. That I mean, that was the other one. Right. That was the other one where I was like, yeah, this does not seem You can still watch plausible. them and have fun with it. Yeah. But also, I don't want to get into a, a debate why somebody thinks that's really true. Yeah, and I'm not going to back it up. No. That's the biggest thing. So... Yeah, ones that involve real people in plain sight are typically the more interesting ones. So like 9-11, who killed Kennedy, that's all I can think of. Why are avocados so expensive? That's a conspiracy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I think what does piss me off, as long as we're going down that route though, is why is there avocado commercials on the Super Bowl? They're spending $50 million to advertise avocados on the Super Bowl when they could just charge us like 30 cents less per avocado. What is your conclusion? My conclusion is that avocados don't need to be a brand, okay? Okay. Let's just let them be avocados. Mm -hmm. They're like already the most popular food next to meat. They're the most popular food on the planet. I mean, I guess there's like onions and stuff, but like... Other than pumpkin Yo. spice, the most popular yes. thing for white women <laughs> yes. are avocados. Yes. They're doing good right now. Just just chill. Like yeah. You don't need to be a brand. But if you're cool with going down a food rabbit hole, um, it's actually fascinating to me that foods are brands. Like We only eat so many foods. And like all of a sudden you get these crazy-ass foods coming out of nowhere, like edamame or like... Um, I don't know, like star fruit or some random stuff that you just... And star fruit doesn't have much of a brand. So that's a good example of the opposite. It needs more of a platform, dude. Starfruit is grossly <laughs> underrated. I've never had one. Just It's oppressed, man. People are keeping Starfruit down, and I'm quite True. frankly getting tired of it. True. They're also like $3 a piece. I tried one. They're like an apple. It's basically like... It doesn't taste like a lot. Yeah, it's like a sweet apple. Do you eat skin on the kiwi? Yes. You do? Me too. I'm a psycho. People think that's very strange. I don't think it's that strange. Everyone, Everyone questions it. I mean, I shave a landing strip into mine before I eat it. I think that's the weirdest <laughs> part, but other than that. That's fun. I think it tastes better. Do you like sour? Do you like sour as a flavor? Yes. I enjoy lemon. I do a lot. too. Yep. Yeah. I literally, like, I worked as a server for all of college. And, like, when you cut the end off of the lemon to, like, cut lemons for the bars, I would squeeze that end into my mouth. Yeah. I just love sour. I enjoy... Um, all flavors of anything. I enjoy the sweetness, the sourness, the bitterness too. Like uh, I only drink iced coffee, black, no cream, no sugar. I mm. enjoy that taste mm -hmm. of just the dirty water that is coffee. <laughs> I really do. You like kombucha? I have not. Oh, I lived with a guy in college who made his own kombucha. Here really? we go. This is something. Um, he took acid every day okay. and he was uh, bipolar and schizophrenic. Mm. Okay, so first of all, I was 18 years old when I went to UW-Marinette, mm -hmm. and I lived in the apartments 
that the school owned, but they were not dorms, so anybody yeah. could technically live there. Because that's like a extension school, right? Like a two year, just a quick two year. Yeah. Get your gen eds, yeah. transfer to somewhere else. Yeah. And they thought this eighteen year old kid who's never lived anywhere else in his <laughs> life, you know who he'd be perfect with? This this thirty year old felon <laughs> that got out of prison in New Jersey Holy for shit. breaking into his own home. That's how it started. Wow. And uh, off his rocker, was he going to school? He was. So he's paying at least. He was paying. Uh, I mean, he was valid. But the fact that I had to live with him, I That's pretty didn't insane. understand it. My that parents visited me like six months into college. They're like, <laughs> and they're like, when is the maintenance guy leaving? I'm like, no, that's that's him. <laughs> this is the guy I live with. And he's just wow. smoking. He had, he smoked cigars without filters because cigarettes just weren't getting him off anymore. Wow. He's like, I can only smoke unfiltered cigars. And he inhaled them. Dang. So was he actually schizophrenic or is that a Jake Shane no, he diagnosis? Was diagnosed real schizophrenic, bipolar. And then he continued to do acid? He loved it. He loved it so much. And then he'd build teepees in the woods. And he talked to squirrels or so he thought every single day of his life. Wow. And I... Uh, <laughs> I really wish I was making this up, but it was about a year of living with this guy where I wouldn't know who he was. And then I hear him yeah. outside, like, like making the noises and he's in his little wow. teepee. There's smoke coming out of it. He's smoking. On the grounds of the apartment? Yeah, just right in the woods. Like you'd look over and Jim would be in there just ripping bowls. And he, he would just leave you to your own oh, though? He, name. Did he ever, <laughs> did you ever, um, did anything? Did he ever do anything weird, like towards you, directed towards Sweetest you? Sweetest guy, man. I mean, honestly, left, for a guy who was uh, ex-con, crazy, always on hallucinogenics. Yeah, and sweet man. And I'm not just saying that because I said his name and I'm terrified. <laughs> but he really was a sweet guy. He never did anything to me. Never did anything to my wife. Uh, very easy to hang That's out with. Good. You I guys knew each other already. Yeah, he then. was all right, man. She was living in the. She was the living there too. That's where I met her. The, yeah, I met her Trump. in English class of all places. So she came from South Korea, and I helped edit her papers, and <laughs> that's, that's cool. how that started. I'm just gonna make sure, just because I'm doing this without a uh, producer right mm -hmm. now. Um, just making sure we're actually. I'm just gonna make sure there's actually volume. Okay, we have five people. Cool. No, thank you, five people. Thanks, guys. Welcome. I um, appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely, Jake Shane. Um, soon to be superstar. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're talking to a guy with zero self-esteem, by the way. Like it's kind of a thing amongst the local. I really hate myself from a comedy standpoint. Yeah, yeah. As far as me, I think I'm okay. But okay, that's good. That's I have good. zero zero self-esteem. <laughs> you, you keep chugging though. You know, you keep getting back I'm up trying, to the podium. You know? I mean, that's, that's <laughs> yeah. what gets me through the day. Do you want another or no? I'm There's, good with that one for now. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I'm same spot as you um so what what are the what are the open mics around town open mics around town we've yeah. got two of them right now it's cimarron it's every sunday at eight o'clock that's in menasha not too far from here actually mm -hmm. and uh that is run by sean patrick moore and cody kropodlowski and sean puts on a great place he zero talking it really is treated like a show so he runs the cimarron he works there, but he oh, okay. runs the open mic. It was his idea to get us in there. And he gotcha. wanted a, a strict workshop, which I really respect because there's a lot of open mics that the place or the people running it don't care for. So they, they don't care for like the integrity of the material, the actual craft of it, the process, which I totally get it. Watching people bomb, it's got to be really hard on your business, especially sure. for the, the regulars coming in to be like, this sucks. 
It's like, yeah, but this is my dream. And they're like, mine are dead. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care at all about your dream. Have like people he, said that? Have you seen someone say that before? That's the vibe you get. For uh, sure. A little desperation. Desperation. <laughs> and just they hate how young we are and we're all full of hope. And they're like, you'll get here one day. Yeah. And but, that's the people trying to do the open mics you're talking about, right? Yeah. Especially the yeah. open micers who have started within the last year and a half or so. They're really trying to find themselves, build material, build stage time, yeah. build confidence. <laughs> and it's very hard to do that in front of people who don't care genuinely. Right. But Sean has been amazing. He spoiled us with that open mic. Yeah. It, we really help each other with our jokes, yeah. our craft. How many it's a people? Workshop. How, is it, so what's, how does he do that? How does he call? Like, how does he make sure that it's good? And... People talk. He kicks them out. I've seen him do it, man. He's kicked regulars out. Wow. And just been like, get the hell out of here right now. You didn't shut up three warnings in. Now, I've, I've even been like, oh. So it's more about, like, just making sure you do as you're told while you're on stage? Oh, I mean, for the regulars, like, the people there listening, Yeah, you got to follow the rules. It's on the posters. But even for comics, yeah, you I'm, don't yeah. talk. Okay. You got to be respectful and listen. You don't have to give feedback, but you at least have to be respectful. Okay. And let them do their thing up there. So do you have to be, like, accepted into the group? To, like, go up at all? No, I mean, it's an open mic in every sense of the word. Oh, okay. You, anybody could show up. It's just he's strict about the rules of conduct during. If you intend to come to the open mic yeah. at his place yeah. and you're going to go up and be there, you have to follow the rules. Okay. Otherwise, comedy just doesn't work. Right. Otherwise, we're trying to build acts. We're not trying to do crowd work and, and work a crowd control aspect into it it's we're working on a material right and then elsewhere we can worry about that stuff right um so he had posted because were you opening for steve uh, the guy from the league i don't know oh, how yeah, to pronounce yeah, the last weekend name. i um were, are you really were you the feature what was your so funny story thursday we had those bad storms and yeah. it was in indianapolis too or indiana i'm not sure where he was okay. staying i don't think he was staying in the city of indianapolis but he was stuck at the airport okay so a couple of hours before showtime i get a text message that says how long can you do which is not a text you get if everything's <laughs> going a-okay yeah so i just responded to her and then the feature got bumped up to headlining so he had to do 20 extra minutes, and I had to do 10 extra minutes. Okay. And we pulled it off. People were pretty upset. I saw a grown man in the lobby go, I want to see Steve. I want to see Steve. <laughs> He's like 45. <laughs> and he was throwing a tantrum in our Bro. lobby, just like a baby. Wow. Yeah. He got free tickets, too, but he didn't lose any money. That's some, like, unquestioned behavior, just, like, not questioning anything in his life. He was also with people. Like, that's not embarrassing the second you get outside. It's not like they forgot they just saw you do that. Yeah. I was just thinking about how, like, so many people put everything they do on the Internet now. Like, I mean, we're doing this show on the Internet right now. Mm -hmm. um, and as the more people do that, the more the divide between, like, ridiculous behavior and, like, people who don't tolerate ridiculous behavior is going to be. Because, yeah. like... Like, if that was to be online, that dude would have to, like, it's a, that's why it's cool when they, like, I think it's like Gary Vee is always like, uh, or a lot of people say social media is like a mirror, you know? Sure. If you saw yourself on social media going, I want free tickets, <laughs> but you know, like, you'd be like, wow, like, yeah. I need to change. I don't think, he'd yeah. be like the bagel guy. You remember the short little bagel guy that got yelled at? No. He'd be like him. He would try and get the popularity off of, there's this, you gotta check out this video. 
Uh, he's a New Yorker, I believe. He's like five one. He's this little tiny guy. Okay. And he thought the girls working at the bagel place were laughing at him. Probably were. He's a very odd looking individual. Sure. And uh, he freaked out. He starts going, just because I'm short doesn't mean I should kill myself. And people are like, what are you talking about? He's like, everybody on Tinder says I gotta kill myself. I'm so short. And wow. then he gets speared by this guy because he ended up fuck? getting. He was his little arms were going and stuff. Yeah. And people got nervous because like his special powers are coming out now. <laughs> And somebody tackled him and just started beating him up. And now he's been on every major like radio Alan show, podcast. Yeah. Wow. So I think that's what that guy would do. Yeah. People want to take any viral fame. You just roll with it. Yep. Maybe, unless you look like an asshole. Unless you're like, I want to take, you know. He looked like an asshole. That bagel guy yeah. looked like a pretty, well, that short But the bagel guy, guy got speared <laughs> by a stranger. <laughs> Like there's a difference, yeah. you know. You know, if you just have a problem, you know, in yourself. He hit him so hard, I thought he was gonna burst into gold coins. Yeah. I really did. That would have that would have been sad, yeah. but people would have gained wealth, I guess. Just a little tiny guy. Yeah. Um. So okay. So Sean runs this open mic at Cimarron every Sunday. Every right? Sunday, 8 p.m. So I saw Sean. I don't know if he. I don't know if he did this. Um. I saw Sean as an opener or a feature. I don't remember. I think he was an opener okay. and he killed it. Yep. According to him, it was his first show. And I don't know if he just was saying it was his first show How for a while. How long ago was this? Two years, maybe. Yeah, he's full of it. Okay. He's absolutely full of it. Okay. He's been doing it a little longer than that. Damn. Does his mom come to all his shows? No, but I have met her and she's a very nice woman. She's okay. awesome. Also has a wicked sense of humor. I definitely see where he gets it from. Okay. She's a spitfire. She's yeah. awesome. So, okay, I was under the impression that that was his first show. I'm like, damn, like, he basically, like, dropped the mic like he had all his... No, he's so full of it, man, and that's what drives me nuts about him. He's never bombed in his words. He's always killed. Sure. He's... Confidence is definitely not his lacking point, which... Sure. Balancing the line of confidence and delusion, that'll Mm -hmm. take you far, actually, and he's gone very far. Mm -hmm. He's very good, and he knows it. Okay, so... That's what I wanted to know because he ended the show <laughs> with like this is my first show or he started with this is my first show and my and then like he had all these Holy jokes yeah. about like finger banging assholes and like just sure. comedian stuff. Yeah, this is just what we do. Comedian stuff. Just finger banging buttholes. Yeah, that's like I think most people are. It's just like that's why it's so funny. Cause, yeah, we get in trouble when yeah. we don't and that's why Louis in hot water. Right. He didn't touch anybody and they were like that's not going to work. <laughs> yeah. And it, um. So, but then he and right after that he's like also my mom's right there and she like she she was so happy oh, her, it was yeah. so funny she's like hey but the funniest thing was like when he finished it was like a good really strong finish and like he walked past his mom and like high fived her and she was like <laughs> she was like he crushed it you know what I mean like you could see sure. it in her face that he, like he crushed it and it was so funny that like uh, perception he had put on that like it was his first show and like his mom was there and his mom was like yeah you know i don't know not only is he so full of shit (laughs) two years ago he still probably had 45 minutes worth of material sure oh he's so full yeah (laughs) he's been kind of a mentor slash bigger brother of mine Mm. especially in the last year that i've known him we've gotten a little closer and he's given me fantastic advice yeah that's awesome i really respect that guy's writing style and everything about him that's awesome yeah he he did great uh, and why I even brought him up 
is because he shared the Steve, I don't know how to pronounce that guy's last name. Renazisi. Renazisi. Yep. Um, he shared the post of of you doing the show or opening the show with him, or you shared his post. So he did a guest spot. Okay. He would, long story, he was supposed to go to New York. Unfortunately, his van of all times right now took a shit on him. And this is he's Sean? got to fix it. Yeah, this is okay. Sean. So he, he fixed up his van that's completely souped up with a stove, an oven, a bed, mm-hmm. or a hammock, um, cool. sink. He had all the goods in it. Yeah. And then Broke all down. times to quit on him is the day he was supposed to go. Dang. He made it to La Myra or something. Like yeah. not not New York. Yeah. And had to come back. It just totally sucks. He's good enough to, to be there. Wow. Absolutely. But anyways. He had shows booked or what? Um, I don't think at the time, but he's definitely got connections out there. I know a couple of guys okay. I think he would have hit up. And uh, cool. being a headliner, he would have maybe two or three open mics before somebody would have seen him, grabbed him, and be like, you're right. clearly not new at this. Right, yeah. right. That's awesome. I hope he gets that chance again. Okay, so that kind of answers my question then, because my question, because about that was, yeah, he was saying he was leaving the con- He said um, that you were great and that the scene – like the scene won't be hurt when he leaves, which is a very confident thing to say. But yes, but that's what he was saying was like, there's this scene that's growing and like, it's okay that. So, so my question was, is he leaving? I guess or like what? Like what's the deal with that? Um, he is leaving. I can't mm-hmm. say when at this point, mm-hmm. and he's tried putting a couple of dates on it, and then just a series of unfortunate events, and he's still here. Yeah. He's definitely okay. not here because he wants to be. I'll put okay. it that way. So he will leave as soon as he can. Okay. I would say by the end of the summer, if I'm going to put a date on it, he'll gotcha. be gone. Oh, that was a very nice thing of him uh, to say. First of all, to share my post and to say something nice. Yeah. I really appreciate it because there's a lot of us younger guys who are really working hard mm-hmm. and trying to at least gain some respect, if anything. Yeah. So, like, how do you see like what's what's your so i told you i wanted to go up yep um for those of you i mean i don't even know if you remember me saying this but i started like a comedy club at uw oshkosh i remember that lasted one year Mm -hmm. because i started basically writing my business ideas in a notebook and that eventually became this but um we did a student show with like the the union like it's like reeve union board is what it's called and it's like the the venue, the main venue on campus, um, they put on events. We did something with them, and I went up, and I did, I think I did five minutes or something like that. Murdered. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say not bad, Yeah. surprisingly. I think that- Did you cr- get one laugh? Yeah. That's all quite, you should care about Quite a first. few. I think the crowd was forgiving as hell. It was crazy, like crazy how forgiving they were. Um, and actually, Christine, um, I'll tag her in the comments. She should definitely, I should have her on. She should be doing these open mics and stuff because she was a part of the club. She killed it. But um, moral of the story is I tried comedy once, and okay. I do want to get up there. Um, you still have the itch. That's half the battle. If you've done it yeah. once and still have that itch, yeah, you, you got it. Um, trying to think where I was even going with this. I forgot. So honestly. transitioning into you doing it, just don't put any pressure on yourself or any more expectations. You should have zero expectations, especially if you're doing it your second time. Oh, for sure. Your second time is usually when you're going to eat it the hardest. 
first time <laughs> you've prepared your entire life for this five minutes. Right. You've got these stories that you know are funny to your friends. Right. When you want to get up there the second time and try something a little different, yeah. you're going to just eat it. And that's when the test will come of, can I still stomach doing this next week? Right. How, how do you see the scene growing? Or like, like how do you... Or, oh yeah, this is what I was getting at. You asked me at the Bare Bone Show, which there's another Bare Bone Show coming up. Um, Great lineup for that too. Yeah, like the guy, it's, it's four different people, four different from the last time. Um, the guy running it um, invited us to be a co-host. Um, Actually, John Barron's is on that show. Is he? Yeah. Okay. And that's, that's Charlie Barron's brother. Um, so, okay. Nick Brandle too. We're going to forget the rest of them. That's okay. Crane's Butter, I think. Um, point of the story is you asked me a question, which was, where do you want to take this? And I was like, yeah, like comedy's like my, not my main priority. Like venture Wisconsin is my main priority. So like, I don't give much thought to it, but I want to try it, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so what, like, where do you want to take your comedy? Um, well, I guess I'll start with it. the reason I say that, or I ask that rather to, to people like you is because I don't, I don't judge you based off of your answer. I want you to be aware of what your mm -hmm. goal is and always remember that. Mm -hmm. So don't put extra pressure on yourself. Don't put less pressure on yourself, depending on what your goal is. Mm -hmm. If you're going to go up and just have fun, just have fun, man. Nobody's mm -hmm. going to judge you any different mm -hmm. if they know that that's your thing. Mm -hmm. If we think you're going to go for it big time and we see you just kind of dicking off every week. You might get a couple of guys being like, what is he doing, man? Yeah. But if you're just up there, have fun. Nobody's going to think of you any less. Okay. There are a lot sense. of guys that just have fun up there or girls too. Yeah. Um, so you're almost like when, so when someone first comes to you and says they're going to try it or they want to try it. That's the first thing I ask. You're, you're like establishing like, where should my expectations of like accountability be? Yep. Yeah. So depending on how you do up there, keep that in perspective. Mm -hmm. If you're like, man, I got two laughs. Yeah, but what's your goal? Are you just having fun every week? Then who cares? Right. Who really, who really cares? Now, yeah. if your goal is to be Eddie Murphy and you're like, yeah, I've done this six months, haven't gotten one laugh, I'd be like, all right, you know, you should take a look at that. Yeah. Or even, even maybe where my mind went is like, okay, what if you had someone that went up there, showed promise, and then didn't put work in? Now you might, as like a friend or an observer, yeah. want to be like, hey, you should work more at this. They get that talk. Yeah. Whether it's, I've mentioned it to a couple of people or mm -hmm. somebody will mention it to you mm -hmm. where it's, hey, you have something right. and you are funny, genuinely very funny. Mm -hmm. Now you got to put the work in. Comedy's not right. all about smoking weed and playing video games all day. Right. And it's actually much of not that yeah. at all. You got to put the work in. Definitely. You got to be at the computer. You got to be at the, at the piece of paper. I still write Longhand. Yeah. You got to put the work in. How often do you write? Uh, every day. What's your process for um, writing, keeping the knife sharp for like, like what's your thought process on the creative process for your comedy? So me specifically, I want to speak for anybody else. Everybody's yeah. got their own little style, I mm -hmm. guess. Um, I would say Sean and I actually have a very similar joke style, but we write different. We actually okay. get to the same result differently, which I found very interesting when he kind of told me what he did. Um, but what I would do is I, like I said, focus on my relationship. So if that's something in my head, I try and think of a different feature of my relationship. So going back to the area 51 thing, for example, mm -hmm. I focus on that and, uh, an easy cheat code would be listing everything I can think of about my wife or this event that happened or mm -hmm. something like that. And then usually 
if I write features about my wife in a list, uh, black hair, short, I mean, anything about her, and I want to compare her to Area 51, for example, I'll write everything I could think of about Area 51 in one to maybe two word lists. Um, I will non-converge that and then draw connections, and that is a cheat code to writing jokes. Where it's, literally, here's a similarity literally or a you have lists with lines going across. I like, should have wrote my, brought like, my notebook. Like yeah. a second grade yeah. like homework assignment. Like connect the dots. Yeah, like like which of these relate or which of these pair together. And you have to like, yeah, so wow. an easy one was I did, uh, this is a place called a schoolhouse strip club in Illinois. The entire inside is themed like a school. So I listed classroom and then i listed strip club and then i just drew connections mm, interesting that's all you got to do well that's not all you got to do but that's an easy yeah. cheat code to doing it as as well so what you're describing is accessing the like the what so like the so for example like the kindergartners <laughs> to the strippers would be they're the same people because they love to dance they love glitter mm. some have missing teeth <laughs> right they get excited when you give them a dollar like yeah. all the easy connections yeah. cuz that's what it all is that's what it's about it's about it's about connections it's about um yeah communicating communicating different connections in like a in a frame you've never seen before yeah you know that's cool if you can have your twist and then your point those are the best jokes yeah. like there's a lot of guys out there and I was like that too like that joke was sort of like that where it's just a twist you didn't yeah. expect me to say what I just said. Yeah. But there's really no point to it. Right. And when you start implementing the point, that's what makes a good joke great. And Do you those, start with the punchline ever? Sometimes, like Chappelle talked about that fishbowl where he'll just write down a punchline yeah. and toss it in the fishbowl. Do you bowl. think he actually does that? Yeah, for I sure. I bet he does. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think he was lying at all. <laughs> yeah. Kicked him right. Kicked him in the pussy. Sometimes I have something I say off cuff to a friend or something floating around in my head, like the kick him in the pussy thing. Yeah. Where I just write it down and, and however long it takes, I'll come back to it once I figure out the correct setup. Yeah. But I mostly do work linear, start, finish. Okay. Do you ever work with other people? I've tried and it's impossible. Doesn't work. I work such a different way than everybody else around here as far as writing style, how I write, how I like to think mm -hmm. about a joke. I've tried doing the workshop stuff. Have you ever tried improv? No, and I'm, I was into improv a lot as a kid. I was actually at the green room as a teenager watching a lot of their improv stuff. Hmm. And I like it. I should take it for crowd work. I know it improves people's crowd work a lot as far as being off the cuff, working a crowd, right. being comfortable off script. Right. But I just, I, I'm all about joke writing. I, I'm like, that's what gets me up in the morning sometimes. Yeah. I really get off on a new joke and that's all that matters to me is like the new tag, the new joke, yeah, whatever it is. So are you like at the point in your career where you just kind of have this, like you have this little set that you know works and whenever you're not, so like whenever you're doing open mics, are you always like try new, try new, yep. try new? I don't know sense. if I'm known for that, but I like to think I am of like, I'm gonna come at least with three or four new, new jokes that I'm really trying to pound in. And that's gotten me into trouble where over time I've done that for six months and then as I've got all these half-baked jokes and I really haven't made much progress, but I've got all these premises with a weak punchline. Sure. So then I have to go back. I'm, right now I'm in my tweaking up process of going back and fixing those. And um, you consciously are doing that? All the time. You, but you consciously are sitting down and you're like, okay, now is tweaking time, now is... Yeah. Dang. If I look back over a certain period of time, 
and I see that the progress I've made has only been partial. Not, oh, look at all the new jokes I can consistently do every single show, and I know they're going to work. If you don't have one that pops every single time, it's a weak joke, and you got to work on it. Mm-hmm. So to me, that's what I am working on right now, is going back to all the jokes that I know they're funny. I've got to find it. And like I said about, about Rob, how he just tweaks it and tweaks it and tweaks it, mm-hmm. you will find it eventually if you really believe it's funny. Mm-hmm. Was Rob doing the open mics at Skyline for a little bit? He does sometimes. He does not have to at all. Like he should. He shows up when he feels like it, which is exactly yeah. what a thirty-year guy should be doing. Because he's he's made it. He's done it. He's yeah. lived in Los Angeles and done it for a very long time. So the fact that he shows up and says anything to me at all, I'm like, this is so cool. Yeah. Um, I'm just trying to. I'm not gonna just like ask you a bunch of questions about him because I'm trying to. Th- I think I've seen him before, but I'm not sure. Probably. But um. Is that like is that where you want to take it to yeah. like a bigger? Oh, I'm city? sorry, I never came back to your uh, question. Yeah, I do want to be living in a major city, doing stand-up comedy mm-hmm. and or writing for a show mm-hmm. or movies. Mm-hmm. I really get off on the writing, so if I can find something where I can write for somebody and write jokes, even for like a major, there's a major, major headliners now that they're very jokey. And they tour too much to actually come up with a new hour every year, so they pay people to help them write. I would love to do that. Interesting. Just sit on their tour bus and crank out jokes. Yeah. So give them a, a hundred at the end of the day. Be like, what do you think of these? Yeah. Is it so? The goal is more or less to be working in comedy. I wanted to do that for a full time job. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. What do you and like? So you do sales at JJ Keller. Yep. How many hours a week? Forty. Okay. Just a typical eight to four thirty job. And then when are you writing? Before work, after work? Um, after my workout. So my days are grueling, and I hope nobody from work hears this because they're like, that explains a lot. But typically what it is is I'll wake up about 7.30-ish, and then I start work at 8. I get off at 4.30, and then um, I'll have dinner with my wife. We go work out. So I'm home about 9 o'clock and 9, take a shower. So really I'm not at my desk till 10, and 10 is when I start working. Wow. I start whatever I want to talk about that day start cranking out either the new jokes or fixing the old ones, yeah. sitting at my computer, typing them into a Word doc, doing it freehand, fixing things. I like to fix it on paper, then put it on my doc once it's completed. Mm-hmm. I like putting my little creations finalized into the into the computer. Yeah. And then uh, about 2 o'clock, I'll go to bed. Wow. Every day. Every single day. Dang. Sometimes not on the weekends. Like when I was working with Steve, we had very late nights. So... I might write a little bit during the day, but I don't want to throw off my brain because I should only have my act done at that time. Don't screw myself up. Just go kill it at the shows. And then I'm not home until one or two in the morning. So by that point, I'd be done writing anyways, and I just go to bed. Wow. So do you ever ever write after shows? Yeah, for sure. If it's not too late, because what I consider writing to be is training camp, open mics or training camp. Mm-hmm. So if I've got a weekend at the club, that is my game now. Mm-hmm. All the practice I put in, just focus on that. Mm-hmm. Focus on every aspect of the show. Do as well as you can. Learn from the mistakes you made. Then bring it home and training camp starts that Sunday morning after mm-hmm. my weekend is done. Mm-hmm. So Sundays I'll start cranking them out and then go to an open mic that night and try whatever I fix that day. Wow. That's dedication. You have to be. Yeah. That's why I said smoking weed and playing video games is not. Dude, comedy is very hard work. Yeah. And if you don't think about it like that, if you're not always, even as I'm sitting with you, I'm always just, I'm always on. You have to be. And if you don't take it that serious, it's 
hopefully because you don't want to pursue it that far. Right. But uh, you should always be working on it. Mm-hmm. Have you noticed any changes in your life um, at any point, I guess, that have led to making it easier to always be on? Because that's something I've I've been looking at in my life is like, I like we make a lot of videos for Venture Wisconsin, so a lot of the work is um, a lot of the work is creative work, and um, we're always trying to come up with a new idea. Sure. So it's always that balancing of like creating creative work and creating deciding how you're going to creatively um, pitch the next yeah. thing and you know there's always the next and it's like uh for example even in preparation for this show um like i was feeling i would say i would say about a week ago i was hanging out with my family um just my parents and my fiance and i was like ultra goofy just like yeah just saying the to me it was it was pretty funny it wasn't like i wasn't the funniest person on earth but i was saying funny stuff and i was like huh i wonder if i can get into that mindset for this live show mm. and i was like i don't think my like i don't think my past mm-hmm. six hours or my past two days or my past two weeks have like lined up in a way that would allow me to just turn that on and be like snappy goofy i got you that just takes a lot of repetition as far as writing because when you start writing a lot you can also do it in your head it's kind of like math where if you see you do it enough on paper you can kind of do it in your head a little bit easier if that makes sense Mm -hmm. um i didn't know how to approach this either i didn't know if this was going to be really loose i just tried to be present Mm -hmm. and i have not been funny for most of this so i hope people aren't like what the hell but um no as far as being on once you learn the actual principles of writing the formulas for it how to apply it, you can do it a lot easier in person mm. because you know the the quick little formula. It's like, it's like math. Mm-hmm. This plus this should equal this. Right. So, okay, that makes sense. So it's not necessarily about a morning routine or staying away from certain foods to like stay on. Have you noticed any changes that you made in those areas that have led you to be able to be on more often? Caffeine. Caffeine. Caffeine does help stay away from the booze. Don't go mm. on stage drunk. Yeah. That will, in your head, you think you'll do very well. But I've had those moments where I think I'm crushing up there. Then I get back. I'm like, oh, that was my perception because my judgment and my <laughs> presentness was off. Do you mean drunk drunk or do you mean just like even one drink? I'll have a couple when I go up there. Okay. I'll definitely have like a, uh, a Jameson club soda or a couple beers or something. Mm-hmm. Kind of a bigger guy. So that doesn't really affect me too much, but it takes the edge off. Yeah. Um, but if you go up there like six deep. Yeah. I've seen guys go up there six deep and it's not, not fun. Everybody knows you think you're having a great time. Yeah. But it's, it's, not, fun. it's not fun to watch. Right. It's not professional either. Yeah. <laughs> not at all. Interesting. It's funny that you said caffeine because um, I don't know. Well, so like I've – so something that's benefited my life as like a counterexample to my question is like uh, a morning routine. So making the bed um, – and then like a gratitude journal basically and then a you col- document things you're thankful for like yes that? nice yeah, okay. just every morning and then um and then a cold shower yeah yeah cold showers are like caffeine in their own little way i've been taking <laughs> yeah. a lot of cold showers lately because of the weather and everything yeah and it just it sparks you and in, in some weird way it shocks your central nervous system you're yeah. alert you're ready to go. I took one right before I came here. Nice. And it just puts you in a different calm. For sure. Mindset. Especially especially if you have some momentum of like fogginess, like you scrolled too much that day or oh, like, sure. you know what I mean? You're just like, 
where even am I right now? Like, why did I do that? You Sometimes know? if I'm having a writing uh, block, block mm-hmm. or anything just holding me back from creativity, I'll jump right in a cold shower. And nice. that is immediately when I'll come up with the idea I want to talk about. Showers nice. and car time for me. I don't know what it is. Yeah. I think it's because I have zero expectations. Those are also like the best times for like, like it's like those passive listening times, like the times you would listen to a podcast or you exactly. would listen to music. Like, I mean, sometimes you can still get that inspiration during that, but it's like, try not. Yeah. And it's like, so when you're working out, when you're in the shower, when you're driving now, just like, but you have to have a creative pursuit. Obviously. You do have to have a creative not pursuit. And sometimes yeah. in those moments where I have zero expectations and I'm not thinking about, cause I can't do anything else other than shower and in the shower. <laughs> I can't cook dinner. I can't do the right. dishes. So it's just, I'm completely for five minutes out of my entire day. Finally, my brain is somewhat at ease. Yeah. And sometimes that release of the thoughts brings True. the thing that I'm going to talk about. Um, it could have to do with the fact too, that like, not only can you not be doing anything else, but like it also is mindless because you've done it. Mindless. You've yeah. done it thousands of times, hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I hope so. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, that's cool. It, but yeah, it's funny that you said caffeine because I've been thinking because normally I'm like, I choose to stay away because I'm like, um, I like having the tool in my toolbox to use it if I need it, but mm-hmm. I never choose. Like I only drink coffee on like a weekend if it's like, I have nothing going on and someone offers it to me or Are you serious right now. Yeah. I never drink coffee. I never drink water. It's only coffee. Really? Whatever water intake I get is from coffee. 100%. That's, that's like for me, I'm always back and forth. Like which would be better? It's like, cause you're grinding right now. Yeah. Realistically. And that's great. Like I'm, I'm not even saying that in like a dude, I'm worried about you. I'm like, that's admirable. Like to, to, it makes me want to stay up till two tonight and like write what I'm going to like. It's like, maybe I should just write my set for my first open mic this upcoming Wednesday uh, until two and then, or until midnight. And it's like, and then midnight to two, I could do this and then just keep grinding. I've been guilty of the procrastination thing too. My dad told me, cause he used to power lift. He was a nationally Mm -hmm. ranked power lifter. And he'd always say, no matter how strong I am, there's always somebody stronger Mm -hmm. somewhere in the world. There's somebody stronger. And that's what he would wake up every day and think about Mm. somebody's out there putting in more work. They're stronger than me. They want it more than me. Mm -hmm. That hunger you can't ever, ever, ever let go of. Even if you reach what you think your peak is, Mm -hmm. if I end up do headlining one day, which would be amazing, I can't let it go at that point. Like I'm finally Mm. starting to get feature work, which Dude, when I started, my whole goal was if I could do five minutes at a guest spot at Skyline, my dream has come true. But the second I got off stage, I went, this isn't enough. Yeah. <laughs> I want to do a weekend. And then the weekends happen. I've done like 12 of those now. And I'm finally starting to get feature work where it's like, now I'm going to take a step up, do some one-nighters. Yeah. They wanted to see if I can hold the audience for 20 at an actual club. Mm-hmm. And that's not going to be good enough after I'm done with them. Right. So whatever your goals are with this company, with comedy even, yeah, there's always somebody stronger out there, dude. Yeah, it's cool. It's it's good perspective, and it's also an ode to like the making your goals realistic thing. And I'm glad you see it that way because earlier you'd said uh, the um, the grandeur delusions delusions of grandeur. Of grandeur yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> like you can't. You have to set realistic goals along the way because if some people have those delusions yep. and like we're probably both them and it's like but you can't start there well you 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 can set that in the back 
but you have to like start with being happy with those incremental steps. Exactly. The increments are the most important part. If you start with the end goal and go, I'm just going to shoot for it, you're not going to hit it. Most likely. And if you do, you'll probably have some problems. Like, Absolutely. Look yeah. at all the like famous kids who end up like Macaulay Culkin, yeah. where they're thrown into the end goal immediately. And they don't know how right. to handle it. Money's thrown at them. Fame. Right. I'm, it's I'm not pretty. Not pretty when it ends up that way. So for if you sure. take the incremental steps, let's say, for example, on mindless, like I want a headline one day. Mm -hmm. Start at your first open mic. Did you get a laugh? Okay, let's work on it from there. Mm -hmm. And then that becomes, let's do five minutes at a club. Did that go okay? Yeah. Now I'm doing a weekend. I'm hosting. All right, now I'm featuring. And over two years, I've gotten to that level. Mm -hmm. So the delusions of grandeur start to go away step by step by step as I keep proving to myself, I think this is, I'm almost there. Right. Give it another four years, we'll see what happens. But always keep, always keep working at it. Two years in, if I was still like, I'm gonna get that laugh tonight. I'm shooting for that one laugh, man. That open mics, yeah, I should quit. Right, yeah. for sure. You gotta keep moving too. Does does your dad's method work for you? Um, Of staying hungry? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I think by this point, my dad has taught me my mom's a very hard worker, too. I'm not taking anything from her. She's been at the same school teaching for, like, 30 years. Mm -hmm. She is very principled and dedicated in her own way. But my dad brought, like, a, um, a sick approach to it mm -hmm. where it's like he didn't care what happened. He didn't care what it took. He was going to lift that weight, mm -hmm. and that is what got him off. That was his new joke. His was, like, the new record that he wanted to set, mm -hmm. the new weight that he wanted to lift. Mm -hmm. And he didn't care what it took. He tore both of his biceps, and he was like, when can I get back in? Wow. And he's like, you're not, dude. You're yeah. 40. You tore both of your biceps. And he's like, so a year? <laughs> he wouldn't take anything else. And that's kind of the approach I try to have. Uh -huh. So your excuses. There's a lot of people around here who are very talented. And I think are better than me. But what nobody they... has my tenacity. sick tenacity. Mm -hmm. They don't. And that's not their fault. It's mm -hmm. genetic. It was what I was raised to, uh, by my dad to do and yeah. what I saw. I grew up in a very toxic, what, what the woke people would say, masculine toxin, uh, toxic masculinity. I'd see the biggest, strongest men in the country every week yeah. push themselves to limits that physically shouldn't have been possible so I can do that mentally. Right. That's what I think. That's, that's what drives it, right? The mental drives the physical. In a weird way, always being unhappy. <laughs> yeah. In a weird way, not, not unhappy, Stay hungry, but unsatisfied. Kind of mm -hmm. Like, cool. I met that five-minute goal. That was my entire life dream. I'm 22 at the time. Mm -hmm. What's next? Mm -hmm. It's interesting. Yeah, I mean, the world's full of paradox. Like, you have to be you have to be unsatisfied to get somewhere big, to an extent, or you're just extremely talented, I guess. But usually, a dissatisfaction is what's driving someone to do something very impressive or yeah. push the envelope, which is what we all crave to do and to see, you know? Yeah. Um, but yet when you like, you know, you look at it, you zoom out and like add wisdom and you're like, Oh, like we shouldn't be satisfied too. Or like we want to get to a point of satisfaction. It's one of those can't have both, you know, you can't have both. And that's why they say money doesn't buy happiness. Cause a lot of those people who have the drive to get to millions, possibly billions of dollars, they're never satisfied. And that's why they have that amount of money. Mm -hmm. So why would they get to 1 billion and go, Oh, I suddenly am not going to wake up at four 30 in the morning anymore. I'm just going to sleep in and I'm, I'm good. Right. No, that that's in them at that point. Yeah. It's interesting. Like nobody, 
So nobody ever stops making money off of their like efforts. So like an example is when you said that I thought of Joe Rogan because he keeps bringing he keep like I've heard him say twice in two different podcasts. I haven't listened to him in a couple weeks, but about uh, Jeff Bezos making like so much, so like a tri- being worth almost trillion or like right. hundreds of billions. Um, and he's like, at what point do you just like stop and be like, I'm all right at 200 billion or, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. And, uh, or like the Saudi princes who they don't report it, but they're trillions of dollars right, in net worth. Right. But I think about Joe Rogan and it's like, shit, like he's happy doing comedy, putting people on, on comedy. He's having fun with the podcast, obviously yep. does it way more. It's like, what if he just stopped running ads? Like, what if he just stopped making the money part of it? Like, what if that question got flipped on him? Yep. And it's like, would that ever happen? Just mm. like, does anybody, does anybody make it to an extreme level of success and then just like right. stop monetizing it? That's a very, very interesting point. Like, let's say he does accidentally play a YouTube video too long. He gets demonetized. Would he still do it? Well, he'll just, right, he'll accept it. But, yeah, sometimes he does, like, stray away from playing a video to not get demonetized. And it's like, and, I mean, it's, it's not just a question for Joe Rogan. It's a question for anybody. I mean, like, other than, like, Gandhi or, like, like those type of people has anyone ever done that just kept going but just did it for free not that i can think of off the top of my head i'm really trying to rack my brains for somebody who's just going you know what i'm gonna do this oh um well i guess that's something different i know there was a nfl lineman who donated like a year of his salary chris long he ended up just donating his yearly salary to either family or veterans Mm -hmm. or something like it wasn't about i see what you're saying though so I, I yeah, and as I'm trying to think of examples too, I think I listened to a podcast. Uh, it was Tim Ferriss, and uh, he had this guy on who wrote a book about basically the coach for Steve Jobs and like the the two guys who started Google. Like he coached both of them at the same time, and I think he did that for free, actually. So that's a that's an example. But he's an unsung hero. Because he basically is why we have the iPhone and like YouTube and Google the way we do. Because like wow. he had like already earned his living doing, I think he was a coach. I think he was like a, actually a coach. And he just loved it so much. But look what he did. Oh, for look sure. Look what he did to the world, dude. I just saw today sure. that GNC is closing down. They're closing at like 900 stores. Definitely really? Amazon related. Kohl's is closing down. JCPenney's. So you look at all these places that. Yeah, they're great. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I use Google every day, obviously. They own YouTube and all that good stuff. But yeah. I want to know who that guy is. That's crazy. Yeah, it is crazy. You'd He's dead now, I think. But you'd... Okay. I don't know. I, I haven't read the book, but um, that is fascinating. I guess that's an example of someone who's just like... I'm that guy changed the world. Make an impact, yeah. Wow. I feel like if you think about it, though, you almost have to eventually do it for free if you want to be on that stage like like why did why did martin luther king get killed why did gandhi get killed why did i don't know if mandela got killed did gandhi get killed mandela's still alive is he really yeah he did not die 
he, he would have died of natural causes. I think he did die. I think he would be like a hundred. No. Yeah, he would be pretty old. Yeah. But anyway, like, what did Gandhi get killed? Yeah, he did. Okay, that's why I thought before I say anything. But it's like Oprah. Yeah, but she does everything for money still. <laughs> she's still she's still kicking. She actually she literally kicking. She posted a video. <laughs> someone chicken. someone threw her a soccer ball when the women's World Cup thing was like building up hype. Yeah. Someone threw her a soccer ball and she like kicked it and she's like, "Go U.S. Women's World Cup." Wait, this is Oprah or Marcus? Oprah? Yeah, yeah, good for yeah. her. I quoted the tweet. I was like, "Damn, Oprah's so relatable." <laughs> Did she let Stedman out of his cage yet? Are they still know. together? She's dating someone. This is hilarious. Stedman, his name's Stedman. There's kind of the punchline that he is like the most whipped dude of all time. <laughs> She's been with this guy on and off. I don't think they're married for like 20, 30 years or something. Uh-huh. But he's just kind of Oprah's bitch. stay-at-home husband. I think. Yeah, bitch. Yeah. Pretty much. I'd be Oprah's bitch. Are you kidding me? Yeah. I'd lick not? her feet, dude. Whatever she wanted. <laughs> A billion dollars. She's worth more than that. Yeah. That's what I'd be taking, though. Yeah. All right. I'd yeah. butter her belly or well, i don't know what she likes <laughs> that's uh it's a classic south park when they took like isn't that the snooch the sniz the sniz and the snatch <laughs> that's an oprah video right yes. yeah her and uh hillary clinton S- bring back to conspiracy theories full circle um there was a youtube one that i watched a couple summers ago before i started venture wisconsin um, it was about like why Dave Chappelle left the show because he left like 10 million or something. 50. 50 million. 50 million dollars. On his third yeah. season. Um, and like the conspiracy was that like Bill Cosby and Oprah were so upset with like what he was doing to the black community and like the perception of. Reggie Jackson. Not yeah. Reggie Jackson. That's the baseball player. Uh, oh. Jackson. What's his name? Al Sharpton and no, just Jesse right. Jackson. Jesse Jackson, yeah. not Mr. October. Yeah, you're <laughs> <laughs> Reggie Jackson. That instantly made me think of Benchwarmers. Oh yeah, because he's in that movie. That's right. Yeah, and anyway. he hated Dave Chappelle in that movie. No. Dave Chappelle? No, I'm just kidding. I was Jesse, like, what? <laughs> Jesse Jackson. That's who it was. Yeah, apparently, I mean, there was a whole conspiracy of how they got into his house and they woke yeah. him up while he's sleeping. What I really think happened was, yeah, a lot of people in the black community were very upset with how he was portraying certain well, stereotypes. Right. So, so, like, what do you think happened from there? He just, like, didn't like the pressure of that? Or I don't think Dave Chappelle gives a shit. Like, What I think happened was that he does give a shit about freedom of speech and freedom of expression, especially in stand-up. So he did feel pressure from Cosby, who, mm-hmm. I mean, we all know how good of a guy he is, <laughs> and Oprah... Um, they put pressure on him like you're gonna get to our level you have to play by our rules and push a good mm-hmm. image mm-hmm. you have to run a gynecology thing out of your basement and then be later found out for rape you have to be a good guy like Bill right and um, same model yeah he felt a, yeah he felt a lot of pressure from Comedy Central I'm sure where they put pressure on Comedy Central and the execs from Comedy Central wanted a little more say of the stuff he was doing on the show mm. wanted him to push certain agendas a little bit and he went you know what I'm yeah. not doing it. And they're like, well, how does $50 million sound? Because we'll give you that much, but we do get control. They tried mm-hmm. buying him. Right. And he ended up just leaving. I heard that he never told his family. He never told his friends. He just went to South Africa. So then the media tried besmirching him with that thing that he's smoking crack, which yeah. is not true at all. Damn. Um, so they tried, they tried throwing Dave under the bus when he wasn't playing ball with the execs. That's crazy. And it didn't work out for him because he made that money back on Netflix. 
He yeah. made sixty million dollars on his Netflix specials. Really? So he made that money back and then some. Yeah. Well, his brand is insane. Well, like I don't want to. I hate you. Hate to boil something down to a brand, but we're all like every, you know, yeah. we're all representations of our brand and our image, our brand, for right? Sure. But um, yeah, it seems like in hindsight it's so obvious. Like once he started working again, it was going to be insane, mm-hmm. you know, and it, it happened, but. Okay, that makes more sense. The The conspiracy theory that I heard goes deep, and it's the gun thing. It's like gunpoint. They snuck right. into his house, like, you better play ball kind of shit. And that's crazy. Like, I don't doubt that that happened, too. Yeah. It might have happened. And yeah. um, if that did, that's terrible, especially considering what those people who did that have become. Yeah. And they're terrible people themselves. Right. But uh, yeah, and then you can see how the media does definitely twist things to go, Dave has gone crazy. Yeah, he was pushed to being crazy. Yeah. So he actually did the same thing and left. And then as he was gone, they were like, good, he's gone for two weeks. Let's just completely destroy his character. Mm. And um, it didn't work. Yeah. It did not work at all. Dang. So yeah, because I watched. I get suggested on YouTube <laughs> his interviews and shit. For sure. You just like that, you know, the rabbit hole. Um, what do you yeah. think about Eddie coming back? Have you seen this? Is he going to? They offered him seventy million. Really? Mm-hmm. Damn. And like, I like you just saying that. It feels to me like that's what Eddie Murphy would want to come back. Like it seems like he's. Yeah. But that's because he's a flat. He's always been a flashy, big numbers Murphy. guy. Yeah, he buy a lot of cod pieces with seventy million dollars, yeah. man. He better have a giant <laughs> cod piece on this next special, like the size of a stadium. Yeah, because that's the that's the size of the dick of a dude who gets offered seventy million dollars <laughs> to do one special after thirty years. Yeah. So, do you think he'll do it? Yeah. Me too. Who in the right mind would be like, I D- know I have done. Spell. Yeah. <laughs> Dave. Dave would turn it down. But Eddie, he hasn't I done it see. in 30 years. And then they just yeah. go, by the way, do you want $70 million to do an hour? He's going to do it. Yeah. Damn. Well, so, well, he did the Bill Cosby thing at, like, his award. Yeah, I saw that. Thing. I thought that was great. It was cool, yeah. He's just like, it'd, be, it'd just be exciting to see how people react when he comes back. They're going to be pissed. And not the same. they're going to try and cancel Eddie Murphy and you think like, so? whatever the woke kids are doing nowadays. Yeah, Because he's going to like be dirty or... Dude, Eddie has never changed. I promise you that. He stopped doing stand-up when he was about my age. And he Did has been doing so. whatever he wants for 30 years. Right. He doesn't care what people think. He's been rich the entire time. <laughs> you think he's going to be like, oh, I'm no. going to be super PC. No, no dude, he's going to come out. And say something wild. First thing out of his mouth is probably how Cosby is not that bad of a dude. Yeah. <laughs> he's going to say something crazy. And every college kid's going to lose their mind. And they're going to try and cancel him. He's going to be like, I'm Eddie Murphy. I don't give a shit. Yeah. They gave me $70 million to say this stuff. He'll do Caitlyn Jenner stuff. He'll do Bill Cosby stuff. Yeah. He'll do Area 51 stuff. I'm sure he'll do everything and then ramp it up to a level that's going to make people very uncomfortable. But the real people laugh very hard. Yeah. Dude, that'd be cool. I hope it does. And like... I don't know. <laughs> I heard, I don't remember who Joe Rogan was talking to, but he was talking about like, just like his timing in that video and stuff. And like, he hasn't lost it. What if he came back? Yeah. Like, it's just a crazy question. Like, I think it'd be cool. I think people would go nuts about it. People are know? very excited. And this Ta- is a genius. You're talking about like, it's happening, man. I think it might. Yeah. No, it's really going right. to happen. Yeah. I really think it's going to happen. And here's why. is because this is why Seinfeld is at the level he's at. 
I don't know if you know that he had the interview on comedians in cars getting coffee, which is Jerry's show on Netflix. So the day that Eddie episode, Murphy did? yes. Okay. So Eddie Murphy's on an episode. I think it's the first one of the new season. Mm-hmm. The day that episode aired on Netflix was the announcement that he's getting seventy million dollars for a special on mm. Netflix too. So clearly Seinfeld had his fingers in it. Mm-hmm. So he did the interview and then showed it to Netflix. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing that this is this is my speculation. Mm-hmm. Saying, hey, by the way, I just did an interview with Eddie Murphy. He's interested in doing uh, comedy again. Mm-hmm. Name your price. Give him a check. Mm-hmm. He might do it. And then Netflix went, all right, we're going to release these on the same day. Mm-hmm. We'll offer it. We'll put the press release out. We'll let Eddie know we're willing to offer $70 million. Wow. And Seinfeld's in the dude. Seinfeld is such a good marketer, and he does not get credit for it. Yeah, greatest TV show of all time for comedy, maybe mm-hmm. just ever. Mm-hmm. Right? He's got this new show now on Netflix that's highly acclaimed, mm-hmm. and he has not done a new joke in sixty-eight years. <laughs> right. That's all he's got to do now is just keep himself relevant. Yeah, and he does. He just he not like now he's just a connector. He's just like I know people. I'm just going to use that to benefit them and i'll get some on the side it goes back to what you're talking about too about what level of money do you stop working he's supposedly worth 900 million wow still grinding like he's 24 years old yeah do you do you follow him online or how yeah. do you know that okay oh yeah i know weird stuff about comics that i probably shouldn't just from the amount of podcasts i listen to yeah. stuff i've researched yeah i'm always like did you know bill burr's got a, a pit bull his name's nico did you know that <laughs> i just know stuff you should never ever know yeah from suggested youtube videos i just learned bill burr runs all things comedy yeah on youtube they did yeah you should check out the amazing jonathan i that was one of the dudes that inspired me when i was a kid he has a, yeah. a documentary on all things comedy done by Steve Byrne, who's another West Coast comic. Okay. Super good documentary. I think you'd enjoy it a lot. Interesting. It's really good. Have you ever seen Nathan Here For You? Oh, whatever? Nathan For You? Yeah. He's a different level of genius where I'll go back to Seinfeld and Larry David, yeah. where he's so him. I think he's always been him. He's never had to find his voice. He yeah. knew what he wanted to do. Yeah. And he's doing a genius level of comedy that I feel so bad for the people. If you don't get it, I'm sorry. Yeah. But he's doing something out of this world funny. <laughs> That it doesn't necessarily make me laugh out loud a lot. I just sit there shaking my head like, it's unbelievable what he's doing. So for the people listening, Nathan For You is a show where it's kind of two shows in one. One, he it. sets it up as he's a local businessman who is a marketing genius who's trying to fix your company's marketing problems mm-hmm. and make your small business grow. Right. In the meantime, his real show is trolling these people into doing ridiculous things to improve their company. Right. And, and then just being extremely awkward and uncomfortable about the whole process. Just the worst guy to have around. Yeah. <laughs> as far as marketing, you'd be like, I shouldn't listen to this guy. He's so awkward. Yeah. I don't like the way he looks. I'm assuming he smells like patchouli. He's an odd guy. Yeah. We're sweater vests every day. You don't trust a man who always is in a sweater vest. Yeah. I've learned that. Yeah. And uh, he made, what was it, Dumb Starbucks? He did a parody of Starbucks called it Dumb Starbucks. <laughs> and he would just sell dumb venties. <laughs> it's my favorite. I only saw, it was like a taxi company. And he puts like a monitor in the back of the seat to be more interactive, like to give the yeah. people something to do. <laughs> and like, which isn't even the worst idea ever. Yeah. But then he like, I think it's like videos of sharks or something like that. Or like, yeah. Um, or like they quiz the driver or they like answer questions about the driver. Or yeah. like. 
yeah. they're always awkward answers. We're like, oh, if that's the answer. Yeah. The one that I really enjoyed was when he acted like that other guy. He got the face mold of him, and then he put on the, the fat suit to be that guy's size, okay. and then walked the tightrope. I didn't some, see it, but... <laughs> it's season, I think it's the ending of season four. Okay. So basically the whole thing is this guy lives with his parents, and he's a total schlub. Mm-hmm. No motivation. Works part-time. This is part-time. business owner? This Nathan is in this... just some guy. Okay. He put a request out saying, who's the biggest loser you've ever met, and I'm going to get you a date. So it's this virgin dude, works at a comic book store or something like that, or he sells pinball machines. It's something that does not get you laid. Yeah. Even more than comedy, that's yeah. pretty rare. <laughs> and uh, he pretends to be this guy and do a heroic feat, like he does a tight, rock, tight walk rope for cancer, Yeah. where he walks four stories above the city, and he looks like the guy, so even his parents think it's him. His grandparents <laughs> are there. and <laughs> It's actually Nathan. Yeah, he does the old Texas switcheroo at the end, like prestige style, where the real guy pops out like, ta-da! <laughs> and then he's got this girlfriend now who thinks he just did this heroic feat, raised all this money for cancer. It's unbelievably intricate, and he really had to learn how to walk in a tightrope. It took him nine months to learn how to do this. It's a different level of dedication. I don't that's think in, I could do that, man. That's insane. He is insane. Wow. That's cool. He looks like the type of guy to have a low heart rate, like a like a murderer yeah. level. Yeah. Like 13 beats per hour or something. Yeah. Uh, I just, I don't watch that much. I watch, like, I get in the YouTube trap. I don't watch yep. much, like, series stuff on Netflix, much video. Like, but I recommend if people, like comedy tv and they have a drier sense of humor a dry enough you gotta have a dry sense of humor for yeah, this guy nathan for you is genius show is epic have you ever do you take your comedy to social media or not really as far as putting stuff up i do have a couple of videos on youtube i might take one of them down because i'm not happy about it i put it up there to submit to festivals mm. and unshockingly got denied from the three I, <laughs> it's not a good video that's okay. just all i had okay. i'm notorious for not getting my best sets on film but there's one called The Stripper Show, which I would recommend people check out. It's the show I did in the Klondike Saloon in Coleman. And uh, there's a strip club up there called North Point. And it's very clean inside, and the women are awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so they ended up renting out the entire front of this club. There's a stripper pole on stage, too, fittingly enough. Nice. So they get the VIP treatment. They're the local celebrities because they're the strippers that every guy in there is acting like they don't know. <laughs> okay. They're like, oh. Were they there? Huh? The strippers were there? Oh, yeah. Every dancer was there and their manager. Just watching? Yep. And talking. And nice. yelling shit. So the first guy goes up and he's just, like we were talking about, being present, just going through this material. He probably should have broken a little bit and, and talked to them, but he also didn't want to uh, give them value. He didn't want to humor them too much. He wanted to let them know, I'm going to do my act and ignore you. Oh. We don't care that you're here. Because they're heckling. They just heckled oh. the whole show. Sure. Second guy goes up, and he just starts screaming at him. Mm. No punchlines, really. He just starts screaming, and the crowd really loved that. So I'm the guy next, and I went, they really like it when you're aggressive with these people, and that's what I'm going to do. First thing out of the gate, I just attacked him. And attacked him and attacked him and attacked yeah. him. There's six minutes online of 17 total minutes that I did. Just like just attacking their character. Volleying kind of back and forth of I would attack him, attack him, attack him. It's kind of like punching the biggest guy in prison, that mentality. Yeah. And then I would turn. I'm going in and out of crowd work. I'm trying to set up the next joke. The douche manager tries to shout a punchline in. I turn back to him off of what he just said. Shit and on him. Shut him down. Yeah. 
and uh, it's, like, it's online. And it, I got maybe the greatest line I've ever said in comedy nice. out to them. What's uh, what's the video? It's oh. called the Stripper Show on my page, Jake okay. Shane. Okay. Um, S C H O E N. You're tagged in the. Perfect. Yeah, just go to my YouTube page. Don't watch the other one. Just watch the one called <laughs> The Stripper Show. The other one I'm very ashamed of. Do, I'm, so on top of that first question of do you put your stuff out there, do you ever, like, think about, like, bit-type stuff, or are you, like, all stand-up only? Meaning, do you think about, like, I'm going to I'm gonna try and tweet some funny stuff, or I'm going to try and make a funny oh. video on Instagram? Like, do you ever, like, diversify in that way? Or? I'll take goofy pictures once in a while, and I think that's my flaw at this point, is that I'm only thinking about the jokes. I'm not thinking about the marketing and the branding as a whole. Mm -hmm. And um, I think it's okay, though. I need to be a little bit better at making the funny clips because with the algorithms, that's what's going to stay on top the longest. Mm -hmm. And that's what gets the biggest hits. So making funny videos, I got to be better at. Sometimes I'll put new jokes online that mm -hmm. I've just written. But then when I, I found out when I go to the open mic to tell them, people, people are already seen them. Right. And the pop isn't as big because they're like, oh, I know how this goes. Right. That actually happened to me with your tweet. Um, Which one? The illegal alien one. Oh, oh, yeah. Because I read yeah. it already. Yeah. You know, where if you had said that and I hadn't heard it, I probably would have laughed. But you know exactly what this It's right. not like magic or and a it, song where you can listen to it again or see it and go, oh, okay, that's still cool. Yeah. It's already spoiled. Yep. Yeah. If you listen to stand up multiple times, you're almost just like looking for intricacies at that point. Like, mm -hmm. oh, I didn't even know he like went there with this other aspect or like, I didn't even yeah. know he was like exposing this thing about life or comedy or like show business, um, which is like, they're like Chappelle. That's one, one thing I love about him is it's like, it's like 10 minutes opening of like kill him. And then yep. it's, and then it's all of a sudden like, let's slow this down for a second. I'm going to literally like give you a lesson about like how power structures work in the world. And then all of a sudden he'll come in with like a just kidding psych, yeah, yeah. like, and then he'll have just like a great punchline. And then it's just like a couple of jokes, couple of jokes, just like, but in all seriousness. And he comes, you know, I don't know. It's beautiful. I like the guys too that go, it gets weird. And they're like, all right, let's pull this back a bit. And then they take it a step further in weirdness. Mm -hmm. They're like, all right, guys. All right. I feel it. We'll pull it back. And then bam, yeah. hits it with the worst thing. Big yeah. laugh. I love that too. Just the, the twists. I really enjoy when you're doing it 30 years. Yeah. You get bored of the classic setup punch tag. So Chappelle yeah. is a genius at hiding. He'll tell you what the punchline is. Yeah. He'll say, I'm going to say, kick him in the pussy. And then yeah. you forget about it for 10 minutes. He's like, kick him in the pussy. Yeah. And you go, damn it, he got me. Yeah. It's like a magic trick. Yeah. I'm going to pull a pigeon or I'm going to pull a rabbit out of this hat. Yeah. You're like, no, you're not. 10 minutes later, he goes, boom. Yeah. Like, damn it. Yeah. It's so, that's It is fascinating. Fascinating. One of the biggest things. So my biggest art forms that like the biggest art forms that I'm interested in, um, like leaving video and like film aside because um, I almost see that as a, I struggle seeing it as a communication, even though it's what I'm drawn, or it's obviously a communication. I struggle seeing it as an art form, even though it's like my art form, my mm -hmm. go-to. So like, and I think that's because I'm in it. So I would say that's my number one. But aside from that, music and comedy are, music, comedy, film, like are most people's, they're in most people's top three anyways. Sure. But so music and comedy, I'm always curious, like which which has more, like which strikes a deeper chord like which has more power in humanity like which has more power in society music 
it will always be music for many reasons. Um, you can listen to a song more than once, and if anything, nobody other than Andrew Dice Clay, nobody has ever gone to a show ready to yell your jokes at you two in rhythm with you. Yeah, there's no recyclable. Uh, repetitive jokes that you can't wait to hear again. True. But music, it touches people on a different level. It can pull you out of a depression. Um, I think it's more applicable to any... Like, they're not playing comedy in a grocery store. That's true. They're not playing comedy in an elevator. They know that every single part of your life you need music. You need to keep a certain vibe going. That's true. Comedy, I think, right now it's is... It's almost a scene-setter music. Yeah. Because yeah. my thought is, like, I guess just analyzing top player so like uh the like point zero zero one percent of performers in each field so let's say you have like dave Chappelle, arguably one of the best comics out there easily um and then i don't know who you'd have like my mount rushmore so to speak for music well no i'm just saying like a, a counter example so like i don't think kanye by any means is has the most brand equity anymore but like i don't know maybe like kendrick or something Mm -hmm. kendrick lamar so it's like let's say let's say for some reason they like went after each other it's like who comes out of that winning and it's like Mm. and i guess it's kind of a different question because because I mean, in general influence like Kendrick's bringing more people to the table. Maybe though, maybe it's Dave Chappelle. But if they go back and forth, I feel like Kendrick writes a rap and Dave Chappelle just doesn't take it seriously and he wins. You know what I mean? Oh, I thought you were talking about Kendrick versus Kanye. Oh You're no, sorry. You're talking about Kendrick versus Dave Chappelle. Yeah, as a as an example to say music versus comedy, which one holds more power? Oh wow. Okay. Um. I think universally music's just more popular. Yeah. I think there's people in China, Madagascar, I don't know, listening to Kendrick, True. who probably are not watching or getting the cultural relevance or references by Dave Chappelle. True. Unfortunately. True. That's true. Yeah, I mean, music is like... Music has been with us since before we could talk, apparently. You also have to think of really how American and... I hate, how United States-ish stand-up is. True. Um, because it really only started in the 40s, like with Lenny Bruce and a couple of other guys that yeah. I, are unnamed. True. It has not been around that long, and it, it's really a United States cultural thing that has now spread to South Korea, China, Japan, a few other places. But that's only really been within the last 15 years since the internet. Mm-hmm. Because they used to think, like, even my wife's parents kind of thought I was this clownish like up there just banging symbols together like a monkey. Yeah. Like a, a court jester. Yeah. Not really something that I work at and is acceptable here. Right. So it took it, a long time. Internationally it's definitely not as respected as close. Here maybe you can make the argument mm-hmm. that especially with how mad people are getting and invested into certain <laughs> things, it maybe is as powerful here, but mm-hmm. nowhere else. True. And that's why I think universally it's music is way more powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Do you ever um do you describe like uh the things you're drawn to topically do you like what what mainstream comics do you like resonate the most like are you more about like the griping of like bill burr do you like like the going deep of like duncan trussell or like joe rogan Mm -hmm. do you like just general can connect to anybody of like dave Chappelle? like what's your what are you drawn to as a comic so the first thing i look for is relatability and you've got to 
walk the fine line of being relatable and being kind of hacky because there is definitely relatable topics or setups premises that are very hack and overdone one of them for example would be uh oh my wife is so much smarter than me that's mm-hmm. something i've heard just over and over like the guy who's like i'm the idiot it's every sitcom mm-hmm. setup like king of, Queen, uh, king of queens right the simpsons family guy it's always the chubby schlubby husband yeah. and the wife who's way too beautiful yeah and that's kind of exactly my real life but you know i can't do that mm-hmm. so i try and look for things that are unique but also relatable mm-hmm. the unique thing being i'm in an, uh, a relationship where she is from south korea and i have to conform to her cultural needs and make sure she stays in touch with her roots and around here that's not something a lot of people get to hear about mm-hmm. but the relatability is the relationship mm-hmm. a lot of people are in a relationship True. or have been or currently are so that that resonates with them and then my twist being my unique approach to it so when i look at writing jokes or bringing it to an audience i'm always thinking about uh repeat exactly your question again i had a good answer for it basically what comics like what style of thought or comedy are you most attracted to like the general relatability of like Chappelle, the like griping i'm angry at certain things like bill burr or like do you like the diving deep of Duncan Trussell, Joe Rogan type stuff? Or like maybe it's a mix. I don't know. I think what I do, if I'm going to say it's a combination of two people. And uh, if any other comic is listening who thinks I'm wrong or has a better comparison, I think I'm the relatability and mundaneness of a Jim Gaffigan. Mm-hmm. Where I kind of break down very ordinary everyday things. But I've mm-hmm. got the, the sick twist of it like a David Tell. Where they're both very goofy. Mm-hmm. Jim Gaffigan's very goofy. He jokes about Pop-Tarts, and it's just goofy. It's it's very relatable and mundane and boring, but he'll put his funny twists on it. Mm-hmm. But a tell where he'll take just crazy twists on subjects where you think you know what the punchline is, and I try and take exactly the approach of a setup like a Jim Gaffigan and a weird, sick twist like an Attell. And mm-hmm. that's, that's kind of where I go with it. Nice. Dude, weirdly craving Pop-Tarts now. Pop-Tarts, I Hot Pockets. I should not be craving Pop-Tarts. <laughs> um, we're going to get... I I don't know if Facebook cuts you at two hours, but we're pretty close to two hours. Are we really? Yeah. Okay, that's yeah. good, because I told the song in one, so... Okay. No, we're fine. We're <laughs> cool. Um, yeah, so open mics, Cimarron on Sundays. Cimarron on Sunday, uh, 8 p.m. in Menasha. Then you've got Skyline Comedy Club every Wednesday at 8 7, p.m. 7.30. 7.30, yeah. Uh, Sign-ups start at 6.30, hosted by Dan Cowran, a local comic, very funny guy. I want to have him on, too. Dan's great, man. Dan's fun. Dan's really good. Yeah. And then uh, it, have you ever done any of the other ones? Is it like Green Room or Black Backlot? Do any of those places oh, do Oh, okay. Them? So Backlot, uh, Nick Brandle has a great one every first Friday of the month at 1030 at Backlot after the improv. Okay. They also have improv shows before that, I think 730 and 930. I think that's when they start. Mm-hmm. Um, but he runs one out there. Green Room, I don't think they do any open mics anymore, okay. to my knowledge. Okay. Actually, the one I did for them for my first time was maybe the last one they did. Wow. Yeah, I wanted to ask you what your dad said after the show. He said it was good, and I knew that was a lie. He <laughs> so he just played it off. No, he was like, "Oh yeah, that was pretty good." <laughs> like, really? Was it dead? You had five minutes to stay awake, and thirty <laughs> seconds in, you're gone, just gone. 
But uh, he was at the stripper show, and he was very nice. awake for that one. I was happy to keep my nice. dad awake for That's 20 cool. minutes. <laughs> um, but, yeah, there is comedy out here, folks, and uh, I'm excited about it. I want to have more comics on the show. Um, as I said, I want to secretly do some You should. Some uh, uh, open mics, especially before, because I want to try and bring some attention to the open mics to hopefully – just like, because it adds more of a challenge to the people that are trying to get better when there's real people there, not just comics. Oh, absolutely. You, know, you can't yeah. always just be in the comfort of your peers. You know, you gotta. It's way harder in front of comics, actually. Really? Way harder, because we're more judgy. Makes sense. We know the the rules of the, uh, the math of the jokes, so we also True. are trying to predict what you're about to say. True. Or maybe that's just me, because I'm a jaded dick. True. But when comics are watching you, it's a lot harder to get laughs. You'll find that out if you do come to Cimarron. You'll see a bunch of comics just staring at you. Okay. And it's pretty intimidating. Gotcha. Even for me at this point. But I would recommend coming to Skyline first. It's a warmer room. Yeah. Everybody's having fun. Yeah. It's loose. I would do that one first. Okay. Cool. Um, Yeah. Comedy scene's growing. Also, shout out uh, the Barebone Show. That's... Follow Fox Valley Comedy. Do you have a Facebook page that's not your personal? Like, do you have have a comedy page? comedian jake shane page s-c-h-o-e-n you could follow that one i do, do you post your dates on there and stuff? i will be so the ones coming up um under the influence that's august 2nd at skyline comedy club that's where we do one sober set and take five shots in a row and do another one right after that <laughs> i will be featuring at the club august 15th that's fun and october 17th who's doing the comics under the influence yeah it's a lot of local guys nathan metz jeremy reedy um, oh, myself, Dan Cowan, I think. Like, if we recorded it, would it be a shit show or would it be good content? They would kick you out if you did. Well, I would ask them first. I mean, um, you might as well just ask. I mean, who knows? They might let you do it. But uh, I would say, who's the venue? Skyline. It's at the club. Oh, oh. So that might be a little different as far as rules. Well, I want to get in touch with them. I really need to. It's like we could work together and do some cool stuff, you know? For sure. Yeah. For sure. Anyway, awesome. What was the question of the day? Uh, Where would you like to see comedy? Um, If you'd like it in your city, put your city name and where you'd like to see it. doesn't have to be where you live. Maybe it's just a city where where you want to see more comedy. If you want to follow me, Comedian Jake Shane, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Um, It's the same profile pic for each one. Very easy to find. And uh, thanks for having me on, man. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for coming. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. It truly means a lot to me.